<laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another Hello. session of Tomb of Annihilation. Last week, you embarked upon a voyage across the ocean to get to Cholt, and this week you will be arriving there. So, I will cue up the music, and we shall begin. How is everyone today? You know, it's a day, it's a day. It's a day, it's a D&D &D day. day. <laughs> and uh, just to let everyone know that Remy and Kitty are playing remotely today, so please forgive a little bit of audio crackling on their behalf. Yes, we are sorry. Yes. Playing uh, live from location. <laughs> live from location, Kitty and Remy with a special report. Yes. But, um, you should still be able to hear what they're saying, thankfully. Um, what music would I like to use for this? I think we would like to use some, uh, perhaps... Sorry, guys. I don't. I have to decide what music I'm using because <laughs> this is not a usual setting today. So, um, I'm going to have to choose something cool, and I'm going to pick. Uh, let's say something. Do I have anything like swampy? And ah, yes, that will do. Lovely. Found one. Okay, let's get right into it. So, a westerly wind picks up as your ship approaches the inner mouth of the Bay of Cholt. To the west, mountains of dark grey stone lead to jagged peaks, jutting out from an endless canopy of trees so thick it seems as if the sunlight could only dare beat its way in. Ahead, the tall, stone-cast walls of Port Nianzaru form a stockade barrier between the bay and the city proper. Your ship passes through the gates, revealing the harbour and land rises marking the city's districts. Rows of buildings made of multi-hued patched stonework are decorated by colourful rooftops and murals. Small winged li lizards flitter past the ship's bow heading off into the trees as you pull into the harbour. You've finally arrived in Cholt. Anchors up! Pull down the sails! Shouts Jacob the sailor and his two... and his two associates, Robert and Frederick, immediately begin scurrying across the deck of the ship, preparing to slowly ease the ship into the harbour. And so, you dock in a tropical city under the blazing sun. The familiar sounds of a harbour, creaking ropes, slapping waves, heavy barrels rolling across cobblestones, mingle with voices shouting and cursing in an unfamiliar language filled with clicks, inhalations and sing-songy words make it sound almost musical. Except for you, Bobbit, it takes you a few... Oh, you haven't leveled up yet, so yes, no, you're still just yeah. feeling sing-songy, I mean... almost musical to you. To you, it sounds maybe a little bit familiar, but you, 
still can't quite understand it. The aroma of unfamiliar spices and tropical fruit mixes with the wharfside smells of fish, tar, and canvas. Beyond all that, Port Nianzaru is an explosion of colour. Buildings are painted in bright shades of blue, green, orange, and pink. Their walls adorned with murals portraying giant reptiles and mythical heroes. Every building sports baskets and clay urns of colourful flowers, or is draped in leafy, lower flowering vines. Minstrels in bright clothing adorned with feathers and shells perform on street corners. Multicoloured pennants and sun awnings flutter atop the city walls. A crowd of children dressed in feathered hats, hats and capes runs past you as you step out onto the docks, squealing in delighted terror as a street performer costumed as a big-toothed lizard stomps and roars behind them. The whole city seems to be bustling, sweating, laughing, swearing, and singing. What are your reactions as you step out onto the docks of this brand new locale? I feel like the um, Skelebot would probably be like pushing past literally everyone <laughs> to get onto dry land first. Yes. <laughs> yes. In fact, Scuttlebutt is, you know, as soon as he steps off the ship, you just see a look of relief flood over his face. And then he pushes through the throngs of, of celebrating children and dock workers and just runs straight into the crowds or, on a cobblestone street ahead without even taking the time to give so much as a second glance at the rest of you. I feel like Bob's already owl eyes would go even more owl-like in wonder. <laughs> yes. Trying to take it all at once. Probably Avis as well. Very similar. Yeah. Bullets as well. Just just three foreign people. It's just afraid where it's going home, but for everyone yep. else it's like just... Hmm? Oh no, he was just talking to Kitty. Um, go uh, ahead. Go ahead and Bob. Ava is familiar with it. <laughs> yep, Ava's been here before and she feels, you know, kind of. This isn't her home. She didn't live in Port Nianzaru. She didn't live amongst humans and tabaxi and the like. But this feels more like home than Waterdeep, even though you've spent the last year there. And Bobbit, you strangely have the same. Feeling. This is all new mm. to you, and you marvel in awe at the bustle of colour and activity around you, but for some reason, somehow, it feels more like your home. Mm. Zinhorn, this is far outside your realm of experience. What are your reactions to this new land? Very cautious, just taking everything in and keeping my eye out for suspicious behaviours that something just doesn't feel right. Too, too, many, too, many, too many people. Too much, too many people, too many noises. Get me back to the bush. <laughs> <laughs> and so, as, as the three sailors finish off docking your ship, they pull in the rigging, roll up the sails and then they step down off the ship onto the harbour beside you and Jacob, Robert and Frederick look around and then they look at you and they say 
So, uh, we's, uh, we wasn't privy to, uh, the finer details back, uh, during the voyage. Uh, what's your business in this, uh, fine city? Um, boat wishes to go to Mesro. Why else were we here again? <laughs> you hear Scuttlebutt just call out from the middle of the cobblestone street behind you. Death curse! Oh yeah, people are dying and that sucks. Oh, I Sorry. see, I see. <laughs> well, uh... What I would recommend is yeah, whenever we was with Captain Barnabas and we would arrive here for the first time and before we had an itinerary set up, we would make our presence known to one of the merchant princes. They would give us an itinerary, tell us where to go, give us permission to mill about in the city, you know. Hmm. Robert... Robert looks at Jacob and then he pipes in. He says, in your case, I would recommend seeing the merchant prince Wakanga Otamu. Uh, we've dealt with him before. He's a purveyor of magical items and knowledge. One of those wizardly types. He's probably the Ooh. one who'd have uh, something of uh, any, anything that might help you, you know, given that you're looking for, looking for curses and Creepy crawlies and old ruins and the like. Hmm. He looks at you again, he says, Would you like a run down on the Merchant Princes, by the way, before we step into the city? A run down might be a good idea. Well, Misty, you really you seem to know a lot and want to share everything with us. That's really helpful and convenient. <laughs> Robert clears his throat and he says, <clears throat> Well, <laughs> what can I say? We've been here many times and uh, in Captain Barnabas's absence, I guess it falls upon me to give you the lay of the land. He says, So, Port Nianzaru is the trade hub of Cholt. They receive ships from all over the world and deal in all sorts of commodities. There isn't any... Uh, Formal government, not of the type we would be used to back home in Faerun here. But the city is run by the merchant princes. Each one uh, a merchant who controls a certain sector of trade. For example, we have Akini Afa, who is the uh, woman who deals in weapons, shields, travelling gear, wagons, saddles, canoes, and the like. We have Ifan Talroa, who uh, deals in beasts and uh, beast training. And of course, we have Wakanga, who's the wizardly type, peddling knowledge, ancient tomes, books, and magical items. Uh, there are some others, but those are the three that uh, Captain Barnabas and I have had dealings with on multiple occasions when trading on behalf of the Lord's Alliance. Who is that second one again? He says, ah, yes, the beast dealer. Uh, Ifan Talroa. Uh, let me see. Uh, he's a greedy, conniving man, but he's supported by influential and dangerous friends. Rumor has it 
he's connected to the Zentarum. But if um. you're in need of beasts or beast training, he or he, the merchants who pledge alliance to him, would be the ones you would like to deal with. And so Bolas just leans over at Bob and go, he probably doesn't like us that much since you made fun of his, you know, his boss all that much. <laughs> Robert looks around <laughs> and he says, well, uh, that's about it. Uh, Jacob and Frederick and I are going to go in a, we're going to go set up for the night's sleep. Uh, there are two inns around here. Both located near the Red Bazaar. Uh, we'll be staying at the Thundering Lizard. It's a favourite of ours. Always good if you're looking for a raucous time. So that's where we'll be if you need us. Uh, if you want to come, uh, if you'd like to uh, bunk, bunk down and secure yourself some accommodation, I can highly recommend the Thundering Lizard. But if you want a bit of a quieter time, check out Kaya's House of uh, Repose. Uh, both of them are located in the same general vicinity. Uh, but I suppose you'll be off to see the Merchant Princes before all that. So, uh, he salutes you, followed by the other two sailors. That he says, uh, Yep. Who would be the one that we see about potentially making a business deal with hiring out the ship? They look at each other and they go, mm, Well, uh, Captain Barnabas was... The one who mainly dealt with that. Probably be one of the princes in charge of customs. Can't rightfully say off the top of me yet. But if you're going to go and speak with Wakanga, he would know what all the other merchant princes are dealing with. There might be something to raise with him. Okay, thank you. With that, they salute again. And they bid you good luck and then disappear into the crowds. Man, those guys knew a lot. Well, they're well-travelled sailors, and they've uh, had—they've been here many, many times. So, okay. So, what would your first order of business be? Um, there are many sights and distractions in the city. Um, you can already see from here, from the docks, that the merchants ward sprawls ahead of you, and there's colourful marketplaces and vendors hawking all sorts of goods. So maybe you'd like to maybe you'd like to browse the stalls and see if anything catches your eye. Otherwise uh, it seems to be relatively good advice to head up to see Wakanga, the merchant prince. It would probably be best to go see Wakanga as he probably already has word that a new ship has docked. Mm. And seeing as our ship was formerly a pirate ship, it may be known. Yes. And we may want to get we may want to get the name cleared before Yeah. Yeah. We that is definitely a good idea. Yeah. Well yeah. Well we can we can shop after we've uh, let them know of our presence. So you Decide to ignore the various distractions for now and <laughs> just, just make, drag bothered away. <laughs> make your way through the merchant's ward towards where the merchant prince's villas are. Of course, you've never been here before, so it's quite easy to get lost in Port Nianzaru. So will you be asking for directions or will you like would you like to just rely on your sense of 
navigation to get you to your destination. Would it um, be fair to say that um, they would be in like one of the more fancier places in town? Yes. So you can Could... see, and you can see a hill to the north with a fancy-looking accommodations and manor houses on it. So you can make a fair assumption that it's somewhere in that general direction. Could Bob fly up and just fly in the general direction while the others follow Bob from the ground? Yep. So, Bob, I would like you to please make a survival check with advantage. Right, advantage. Survival is wisdom, so it's plus four. Yay! That's a 22. 22. What your allies do. <laughs> so as the rest of the party begins to make their way into the city, you spread your wings and you fly up into the air. You fly towards the villas and manor houses upon the hill to the north. And you see what appears to be a caravan. Uh, a caravan slowly winding its way up the path towards one of the houses and you sit there hovering in the air and you watch as the caravan comes to the front of the villa and uh, men wearing brightly coloured silk robes emerge from the manor house and begin unloading crates of what appears to be bags of flour uh, into the front yard of the villa from the caravan and you take this to mean that these are indeed the villas of the merchant princes and so you excitedly flap your wings and lead the party up onto the hill as you move through the city i would like everyone except for bulb to please make a perception check just to get okay. the sights and sounds of the city Oh, actually, that's a 15. That's a 22. 22, 15, and... Oh, 20. 20 for Ava. Lovely. 22. Yep, 22, 22 and so Lucian also got one, and so did Veska. So as you walk, you can't help but notice the sights and sounds of this wondrous city. You see medium and large dinosaurs used as beasts of burden to haul two-wheeled carts to hoist heavy loads on cranes and to tow boats along the canals. You see dinosaurs competing in thrilling races through the streets. These brightly painted racing dinosaurs are fast, vicious, and barely under their riders' control. And as they speed past you in a blur, you, you hear the gathered commoners cheer in raucous applause. Flowers. Good thing Bolt's not down there, otherwise he'd be distracted. <laughs> yep. I'd mean, say Bolt most definitely is distracted at this point. <laughs> Flowers. <laughs> Dinosaur races. <laughs> Flowers, green plants and vines grow everywhere, seeming to spring out of the building stones themselves. The profusion of greenery needs constant tending to prevent roots and shoots from damaging buildings or tile roofs. And you see... Gardeners dressed in flamboyant green cloaks attending to the growth on 
nearly every building facade that you could see. Finally, tabaxi minstrels wander the streets, performing for anyone who tosses them a few coins, and the sound of music never quite fades away as these minstrels appear at pretty much every street corner. <laughs> Yay. Eventually, you arrive up on the hill overlooking the merchant district where you see the merchant prince's villas. You take a moment stopping in the street and look around and you see that each merchant prince maintains a lavish villa where he or she lives or conducts private business. These airy, opulent mansions look... look pretty much indistinguishable in terms of their level of luxury and status, and you could be forgiven for thinking they were copies of the same building were it not for the different brightly coloured facades and awnings and tapestries hanging from the front walls. You look around and you see two promising villas. The first bearing a purple tapestry on the stone wall with a golden picture of a book. The second, a green tapestry with a golden picture of a harp. And the third, a yellow tapestry with a purple picture of a set of alchemy scales. Surely one of these must belong to Wakanga. Mm. Okay. You said there were guards posted at the front, right? Uh, there does not appear to actually be guards. It, there's stone stone walls, and then there's a gate, and behind each gate there is a narrow winding path that leads further up the hill and to the front of, the, of each respective prince's villa. And you can assume that this is probably where the guards will be. But you cannot see them. Um, can Ava do an insight check to see if, with her previous experience, although how brief it was with the city, she can recognise which symbol goes to which prince? Yep. Would you like to do that, Ava? If so, make an insight check with advantage. Yeah. Yay. Twenty-three. 23. You examine each of the tapestries and you remember in your limited experience of Port Nianzaru that the image of a book is often what represents knowledge and wizardly or sagely merchants will often display in their stalls or stores a shingle with a picture of a book. So you point this out to the rest of the party, suggesting that the villa with the tapestry of a book is the one that you're looking for. Would that then mean that the heart is the beasts? Um, it's... According to Ava, the harp is, yes, very likely the beast tamer. 
However, she's unsure of what the alchemy scales represent. Okay. So, which villa would you like to begin to trek towards? Mm, I might go see uh, Wakanga, I guess. Yeah, we were advised to see Wakanga first, so that's probably the best. So you you step forwards and press your hands against the heavy iron gates, and despite them looking incredibly heavy, they swing open at your lightest touch, granting you access to the estate grounds, and you make your way up to the villa proper. This villa is... A palatial estate, but based on the based on the iron barbs that uh, line the awnings of the roofs and the uh, and the archery slits that you could see jutting out of the sides of the small towers that serve as battlements on the roof, that it serves also as a fortress for the merchant prince. As you approach the as you approach the opulent manor, you notice that the grounds appear to be mostly deserted. You cannot see any servants or guards or anything of the like. Would you like to just approach the front doors? Or would you like to Is there anything else you would like to do? Um Bold votes for just walking up and knocking on the door. Yeah. I'm not that. Yep. Yeah. Unless, unless I start yelling out hi. Huh? See if anyone answers. <laughs> <laughs> just, <Hello>. <laughs> <laughs> you step up to the front door and you're about to raise a fist to knock when suddenly you hear a metallic shing. And suddenly, before you have a chance to react, you are surrounded by six, seven, eight scimitars seemingly floating in midair around you. And then... And then you hear the sound of a door opening, and you look up, and you see... Emerging from a balcony overlooking the front yard, a man dressed in a purple robe, uh, brandishing in his right hand yet another scimitar. He wipes sweat off his ivory-coloured skin, and then he looks down at you and shouts something at you in a language made up of clicking noises and sing-song whistles. What language is it? curse, comprehend language. Yep. If no one else knows what it is. Bobbit, you cast... You cast Mm -hmm. comprehend... Um, so do any of you have tabaxi? No. No. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. So, Bobbit, Bobbit, you were going to cast Comprehend Languages. You yep. raise your hands and cast the spell, and the man is launching into a second tirade by the time your spell is cast. And 
now yep, that the yep. spell is active, you can understand his tabaxi, and he is shouting, Who are you? What is your business? Do you come from the pirate ship in the harbour? Uh-oh. Um... Oh, he probably turns to the rest of the group and goes, Yeah. Uh, he wants to know why we're here and did we come from the pirate ship. We should probably tell him it's not a pirate ship anymore. Um... um it would probably be best to explain that, yes, we... Explain that uh, we liberated the pirate ship before you say that, yes, we came from it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it just turns around and goes, Do you speak common? He looks at you, and lowering his scimitar just a little bit, he nods and did badly accented common. He says, Go, speak! <laughs> Okay, hooray, that makes this easier. We were the ones who liberated that pirate ship. It is no longer under pirate control. We came here, well, originally on another ship until we were attacked by that one, uh, to talk to you about setting up a venture out to the jungles of Chol to deal with the death curse. Also, hi! (laughs) When you say the word death curse, he shoots a furtive look behind his shoulder as if he's looking at somebody inside the house, and then he looks back at you. He says, The death curse! And on whose behalf? Oh, what was the name? Uh, Sylvain is the paper he sent you. But, if you like, you do have the option of simply saying that you are Lady Bobbitt, the retainer of the Lord's Alliance. I mean, I was going to use the, the full bloody list and just go through everyone that's technically sent us here because we have a few people at this point. Yeah, actually, what? Yeah, we, we were tasked by was it Sindra Sylvain? Sindra Sylvain of Waterdeep. She's a harper. Yeah, asked by Sindra Sylvain. Yeah, we were sent by Sindra Sylvain of the Harpers of Waterdeep. We're also here on behalf of the nations of Waterdeep, um, the nation of Stoneland, of which I am currently queen and the current retainer of the High Lord of Waterdeep itself. Hi, nice to meet you. I'd like you to make a persuasion check with advantage, please. 17 plus 7, that's 24. The man turns around facing inside the balcony and he repeats what you just said to him, to someone inside speaking to Baxi. He nods and he turns around, looks down at you, and he says, Come in! Open the door! Make yourselves at home! Prince Wakanga will be with you shortly! And as he says that, he makes a hand motion, and you notice all of the floating scimitars that are surrounding you uh, float back into uh, the... Float back into the overgrowth of the estate grounds, and as they return to the greenery, they fade away, going invisible once again. As they do that, uh, Bob just looks up and says, I love your defense system! (laughs) You just hear the man laugh joyously as he walks back through the door he came from. Just, just taking notes on, you know, sentient weaponry, how do. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you grab the gold-trimmed doorknob uh, in front of you, 
and push open the heavy oaken doors. They creak loudly and grant you entry to Wakunga's villa. You step inside and within a few seconds you were met by a different man with ivory skin and a purple silken cloak. He looks at you and then in tabaxi he beckons you to follow him. He says, I will take you to the prince. Do not touch anything. Uh, feel free to look. Do not touch. Uh, and do not enter any rooms unless granted permission. Okay, okay. Just not. Hands in pockets. <clears throat> okay, hands in pockets. <laughs> and so you were led through the villa. Wakunga's villa is lit with continual flame spells. The torches floating in midair, not even held in place with a sconce, lit with continual flame spells and soft music created by magic plays throughout the estate. Doors to private chambers have arcane lock spells cast on them, and flying swords hover on the walls, ready to attack on Wakunga or one of his guards' commands. As you walk through the villa, you can't help but notice the occasional floor rug or hanging rug twitch, its corners moving, snaking towards you as if sniffing your scent as you move past. That is cool. You are led upstairs and into a, into a large marbled room that is furnished only with perhaps the biggest pile of cushions and carpets in the very centre, and lazing in the middle of it is a man you can only assume to be the Prince of Knowledge, Wakungu Otamu. He looks at you, looks up at you, his brown skin shining in the sun his hair hidden beneath a golden-coloured turban. And as he beckons you to come, his body... his body lets out a... the sound of shaking metal as bracelets and necklaces that adorn him shake with his motion. Come, come, he says in common. Make yourselves comfortable, he points to several of the cushions lying about beside him. Yay, cushions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bold perches on top of the cushion. <laughs> the rest of you, do the rest of you just sit down and... Uh, I was definitely yeah. just grabbing a nice cushion. As you yeah. sit down, he waits, he patiently waits, and then he raises his hand, silently making a motion to one of his purple-robed servants, and they disappear from the room. A few, mi a, a few seconds later, no more than 10-20 seconds later, the man returns, carrying with him a silver tray laden with small porcelain cups of tea. He offers tea to each of you. Do you take it? Bulb, bulb accepts. I wanna... I wanna check it. Somehow. Very well. Just 
Uh, would you like to check it to see what it is, or are you checking it to see if it's poisoned? I want to see what it is. Okay, I'd like you to please make a nature check. You look at the liquid for a moment, studying it, and you notice that it is normal tea. However, there is a small, there is a barely perceptible reddish tint to the liquid. And after a few moments of studying it, you determine that this tea is infused with distilled juice of dancing monkey fruit, a fruit native to the jungles of Cholt, that, if eaten undistilled, may make the person who eats it mad for several days, giving them, uh, giving them an ailment known as dancing monkey madness, where they can do nothing but dance. <laughs> Even to the detriment of their own health. Wait, yeah. so is this, is this distilled? Yes. yes. When distilled mm. like this, when <laughs> distilled like this, although it although it uh, loses much of its potency, it still remains potent enough to give the person who consumes it a sense of euphoria that lasts for perhaps ten to twenty minutes. Bob is already drinking his. I was <laughs> <laughs> trying her, she's never really had tea before. And sure enough, as you sip the tea, uh, you begin to feel a sense of uh, confident euphoria welling up within your body, and you look around, and as you sip more of the tea, you find yourself feeling raucously happy and ready to embark on a great adventure. Wakunga smiles and he says, Yes, I see you are enjoying the dancing monkey tea. He says, Now, two introductions. I am Wakunga Otamu. I'm the only arcane spellcaster among the merchant princes. I am in charge of the trade of magic items and books into Port Nianzaru, and I am a long-time friend of Sindra Sylvain, something of a uh, sympathetic ear to the Harpers. He says, and I am in your service, Lady Bobbert of the Queen's Alliance and Scornland and her Queen's Guard. Both are actually said names, but either uh, Bobo's or Alexander is fine. Either name works. As you say, Alexander, he looks at you with a strange look on his face. Make an insight check, please. Oh, God, really? Okay. Alright, well, high rolls to that, a plus zero to that. And holy shit, that's a nat 20. Okay, well, that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me everything! You recognise that he's looking at you with a mixture of what seems to be first disbelief, and then incredulity, and then he shrugs and he says, Alessander, then. He says, if, you cho if that is the name you would choose to be known by, I will honour it. He says, now, Sindra Sylvain did write ahead to inform me of your arrival. 
and she says you are here to investigate the death curse. Is that correct? Yeah. He says, I will tell you, I know of the death curse. I have heard the rumors, even in a city as far away from civilization as Port Nianzaru. Such news reaches my ears. I have heard the rumors, but I have not with my own eyes seen the effects of this curse. Oh, well, you're in luck. Hey, Scuttlebutt, show me the thing. At this, Sir Lucian just sighs in exasperation, rolls up his sleeve, and pulls up his armor, revealing the rash underneath. And during the voyage to Cholt, it's grown slightly larger, and what was pale before has now started to grow a putrid grey colour. Wakunga studies it, and he says, he nods, and he says, Hmm, yes, I have heard tales of such a sickness in the city, uh, usually afflicting uh, guards or adventurers, occasionally the peasantry. I did not link it to the death curse. He says, I am told that this death curse is preventing any and all resurrection magic from working. But, unfortunately, life in Cholt is different from life in uh, Faerun, and the death curse is but one of many problems that are on my plate right now. Well, well maybe we could help each other out then. He looks at you and he says, Yes, perhaps. Now... If you wish to know about the Death Curse, I can think of only one place on this continent that would perhaps contain the knowledge you seek. Mm-hmm. He says, To the east of here, uh, far away, at least a ten days walk through the jungle, there lie the ruins of the lost city of Mesro. He smiles as he smiles, seeing your reaction. He says, During its time, so I am told, Mesro was a center of arcane learning and knowledge for the empires of Chont. Though its inhabitants disappeared a century ago, much of the city remains intact, including the Great Library. And if there are any tomes that would provide a lead that you can follow about this death curse. I would be willing to wager a great bet that you would find it within those shelves of the great library. He says, of course, Mesro is not uh, not close by, and getting to it will not be an easy journey. The jungles of Cholt are harsh and dangerous to those who are unprepared. A full expert. Yes, he looks over at you and he says, Of course, having a native, an Arakokra, would help, but you would still need to prepare for a full expedition. I would recommend hiring a guide in addition to Sweet Ava here. You will have to, of course, purchase enough food and perishables to last you for the journey, medicine. Camping equipment, gear, beasts of burden, and everything else. He says, Hmm. now, uh, 
I have heard from Lady Sylvain that you have come into quite the fortune due to your heroics in what deep. He waits for your reaction. Mm -hmm. We definitely picked up uh, some gold here and there, that is true. Mm -hmm. He says, so... I have confidence that you would be able to afford this yourself. However, as a show of good faith, both to you and to my friend Sindra Sylvain and her contacts in the Harpers, I will fully finance your expedition into Mesro and beyond. He says, mm, I will... I'm feeling... I was going to say, as he goes to continue, Bolt says, I'm getting the feeling that there's going to be a butt in this, though. After He's... all, this is business. He smiles and nods. He says, of course, such is the way in Port Nianzaru. I will discuss with the other merchant princes, act as your go-between, secure you the best deals for your future dealings with them, and ensure that your first expedition is fully taken care of. But I would ask that uh, perhaps you would uh, assist me with an issue that has been bothering myself and the other merchant princes of late. Mm. <laughs> he says, perhaps you noticed on your way through the city that us Choltons put a lot of stock into dinosaur races. Bobbit trying to contain herself and like, Bobbit may, I may or may not have seen something like that. Yes, go on. <laughs> he, he smiles, clearly enjoying your, clearly enjoying your fascination. And he says, yes, the dinosaur races are something of a national sport here. Uh, it was brought to us by the colonizers from Faerun. And it is one of their institutions, one of their few institutions that we have claimed for ourselves. The dinosaur races blend strategy and brute force. And on occasion, fortunes can be won or lost in a single race if the odds are great enough. Recently, however, the increasing frequency of these fluke winds have become the subject of investigation, especially when the winning dinosaur is found dead within the ten day. Now, myself and the other princes suspect that the dramatic swing in a losing dinosaur's performance is the result of some new substance being introduced during the race. Now the merchant princes control all trade in and out of Port Nianzaru, so such a substance would have to be contraband. And so not only is it illegal to be tampering with the dinosaur races, but Whoever is bringing this substance into the city is undermining the influence of the merchant princes. We have reason to suspect that this may in fact be a purposeful act to undermine our authority and destabilize politics within Port Nianzaru. Those in the know have suggested to me that they have reason to suspect the yuan are behind it. He says, he looks around, he says, are you familiar with the yuan -T? Is Ava familiar with the yuan -T? Make a nature check, Ava. 
can Bulb help if he might know because of his... Ah, yes, and also Zinhorn may do one as well. I don't know, crap, that notes. So would that just normal? Yep, just normal, not with advantage. I'll help Ava instead. Yep, Zinhorn, would you like to do one on your own? Sure. That is a 15 for me. So, Zinhorn and... Uh, yep. So, Zinhorn and Ava, you're both aware of what UNT are. They are a serpentine race, snake people. Um, they're native to Cholt, but they're not uncommonly seen elsewhere. And, um, Zinhorn, you may have even met one or two during your work with the Emerald Enclave as... Despite their evil reputation, they do tend to believe in living in harmony with nature. Hmm. Wakanga smiles. He says, Ah, well, then little explanation is needed. However, as you will know, the UNT are sworn enemies of civilization, and I would not put it past them to attempt to interfere in this most sacred tradition the dinosaur races. However, Yuanti tend to stick out, and it is likely they would need a network in the city to facilitate the use of this substance with uh, such regularity. As such, without making my without making my personal interest known, I cannot investigate any further. So this is where uh, you come in. He looks at you each in turn. He says, I would like you to investigate what is happening during the races. And and to do that, I will sponsor you as my my official uh, competitors in today's race, the Nanabuso's Haka. You want us to join a dinosaur race? He says, yes. So what do you say? Done. Yep. (laughs) Sure. What's everyone's animal handling? Mm, No. Plus plus seven. (laughs) Bobbit makes up with her her, her lack of handling with raw enthusiasm. (laughs) He's... I was going to say, I'm just probably... Well, she's providing a cassowary. That's almost a dinosaur. Almost a dinosaur. Wakunga's, <laughs> Wakunga, yeah, I mean, maybe separated by a few million years of evolution, but... <laughs> Not really. I've seen those things when they're angry. <laughs> Wakunga smiles and he says, good, good. If you compete in the race, find out what is happening with, uh, what is happening with these dinosaurs. Find out what is, if anything is being introduced to them. And if you bring whoever is responsible to justice, I will uh, finance... Your full expedition into the jungle. Uh, he holds out his hand. Uh, do we have a deal? Sure. Yep, Bob shakes his hand. He shakes Bob's hand and he smiles. And he says, Very well. Uh, I will send word to the bookkeepers that you are being entered into the Nanabuso's Haka. And uh, everything should be taken care of uh, if you head right down there, uh, right down there to the start of the race, uh, which will be at the foot of the Tariki Gate, just inside the Market Ward. Uh, 
head straight there. They tell the bookkeepers that you are that you have my blessing to enter the race, and everything will be taken care of for you. He smiles <laughs> once more, and then, yes, Bob. Before we go, uh, Bob asks him, uh. Who would be the best merchant prince to talk to about setting up a possible business venture with our newly acquired ship? He thinks for a moment and he says, Hmm, that would be Jobal, I think. His purview is guides and sellswords, mercenaries. What you are proposing is to enter a ship into the service of the highest, highest paying party. This would, by the laws of Potniansru, be a form of a mercenary transaction, and as such, Jobal uh, would uh, be the one to talk to about this. And that is fortuitous, for uh, if you wish to hire a guide to escort you through the jungles of Cholt, then Jobal would also be the person to talk to. Oh, well, that is very fortuitous. Thank you for the information. He says, so, uh, attend to the race. I will put in a good word. I will speak to Jobal. And when you visit him to hire a guide, he will be willing to listen to your business proposal. Noted. Thank you. Wakanga stands up from his cushion, and as you stand up, he bids you farewell and good luck, and gives you a gracious bow before sitting back down on his pile of cushions. The purple-robed servant returns and escorts you out of the villa, and then, once you are led through the front door, it is shut behind you, leaving you alone once again in the grounds. And so, you've been told to head to the Tariki Gate, which is the very south end of the city. And you get the impression that you probably shouldn't keep uh, Wakanga waiting. Though, if there is anything you'd like to, anything else you'd like to do on the way, you probably could uh, get away with being perhaps twenty minutes late or so. Mm. Nothing really that Bob wants to do. Like, still got plenty of inventory. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, right. uh, plenty of inventory space and stuff. So yeah, I got I got a ton of inventory <laughs> space to work with. I'm not in a rush to make any more money. Plus, you yep. know, dino racing, dino racing, dino <laughs> racing. Yeah, yeah. You want your dino <laughs> racing? Probably be best to uh, deal with this situation so that we're in the good books with. As many people as possible, and then who knows what might happen. Yep. So, it might be a good deal. So you do were told... You were told that... To, yes, a, sorry. Um, sorry, Zinfo. Do you have a dino, or...? You were told that this would be taken care of. Unless any of you happens to have a pet dino lying around. Well, no, I do have no. a few tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, all I, have, all I have is a mechanical donkey and a mechanical dragon. Fresh and a dino. <laughs> However, Zinhorn reveals as you walk through the merchant's ward that he does have some tricks up his sleeve. Zinhorn, would you like to reveal to the party exactly what you're thinking so that, you know, mm -hmm. we can discuss whether this would be something you'd like to do? 
Well, I happen to have the ability to transform into beasts of all sorts. And we could potentially use that to go under have the ability to transform into beasts of all sorts. And we could potentially use that to go undercover mm -hmm. and back to the stalls of where the, uh, where the dinosaurs go, just get do a bit of rummaging around there. Hmm. How long do you expect? One that is really cool. Also, how long does that work for? Uh, roughly about two hours. Mm, might have to check to see how long the race goes for at first. You can do multiple times, so per, uh, but do need short rest. Yes. But yeah, it's... Even if after we do the race, we need to go back to the stables or something, we can, uh, it's a way I can get in without being seen. Hmm. Not to mention that having a member of the party actually being your dinosaur during the race would probably provide you with a little bit of an advantage. True, true that. Given you that the dinosaur the is of... not just a mindless beast, but is actually mm. a sentient person within the party who is acting with conscious forethought. True. It's just the last thing we want to do is be halfway through the race for him to accidentally yeah. turn back. That might be... Uh... Problem. Oh, so good. I don't mm -hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yeah. And so you were told on, that on a person. You were, you were told that the Tariki Gate is to the south. However, you do not know exactly how to get there. So would Bulb or Ava like to do a survival check with advantage if you're going to fly to help guide the party there? Yeah. I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Ava, and do one with advantage, then. That's enough. 13. 13. 13. That's enough. And so, as you make your way to the south, once again, I'd like everyone except for Ava to please roll perception checks. Just take in the sights and sounds of the city. Yeah. Bob is clearly quite excited with what we're doing, because that's a five. That is a 25. 25. I got seven. You got seven? Okay, so only Zinnia here. So as you move through the city... Me and Bob are walking down, me and Bob are walking down the street hand in hand, just jumping yeah. with it. Yeah, excited <laughs> about the dinosaur race. As you walk through the city, you can't help but notice Zinnia that all of the streets within the city have deep rain gutters as much as two feet wide and a foot deep. And this tells you in... This tells you that occasionally the city becomes the victim of flooding. Hmm. Aside from that, walls divide the city into districts and the open archways above the streets are painted with murals of dinosaurs, mountains, and mythic heroes. And as you make your way to the Tariki Gate, you notice that several streets and archways are cordoned off with yellow flags and ropes, perhaps, uh, perhaps marking out the course for today's race. Mm. Does he tell me that? 
do you tell the party that you put do you point these things out to the party? I do, yes. You're very Could well, Bob. Bob fly up and see if he can see the majority of the course based on these flags. Um yes you may. I'd like you to do a perception check, please. Uh, that is a 23. 23. You do make out a portion of the track. And you determine that if the race starts at Tariki Gate, it then makes its way to the Coliseum. From the Coliseum out onto the bay at the dry dock. And then around a statue in the, ha- in the Bay of Cholt back towards land through the warehouse district, and then back to Tariki Gate to end the race. So, uh, would that be... So, like this? So, I will draw... I will draw the, uh... What you... that? Yeah. Yeah, basically, yes. That's the idea you get of the race course for today. And you determine that it would take just shy of two hours for a dinosaur at full speed to cover such a course. How convenient. (laughs) How convenient. I fly back down and I roughly... uh, Do we have a map of the town? Uh, You... Don't, but you can roughly, like, draw the... You can roughly describe the course to them. Are we at the market ward at the moment, like, near the market ward? Uh, you are... Yeah, you are... No, you're, you're past the market ward now. You're about near Tariki Gate now. Well, is there anybody selling maps anywhere? Like, just I mean, a street you could, vendor? You could, just, you could just draw on a piece of parchment what you... Like, a rough depiction of what you could see. Yeah, okay. Failing being able to find a map, that's what I do. Yeah. In that case, I'd ask you to make a survival check with disadvantage, please. That's why I wanted a map. Yeah. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I know, but I, I gave you the option to buy one. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, disadvantage is still pretty good, so that was a uh, survival, was it? Yep. 18. So you managed to scroll down a very rough map of the city from what you could see, marking out the race course and then you present it to the rest of the party, telling them that this is what you believe to be the course for today's race. Okay. Interesting. Does anyone have anything they would like to express now that they know the course for the race? So it goes out on water. Yes, it appears to go out on water, and Zinhorn, I would ask you at this revelation to make a nature check, please. That is a... an 11. So, you are aware of this, at least, that most dinosaurs that are based on land cannot swim, and most dinosaurs that can swim cannot go onto land suggesting to you that perhaps there are multiple legs of the race and you'll be switching mounts. So, when Sinhorn was describing how he can change shape, is he describing a wild shape? Yes. Or was he describing what? Okay. 
Yeah, he's describing so a wild would, shape. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't be able to wild shape into a dinosaur. Okay. So, you, you do know that there is perhaps a strong possibility that the same dinosaur is not going to be used for the entirety of the race. Ah, shame. Can we predict or guess at how long the water aspect will take? Um, make a nature roll, please, Bol. Uh, nature's better. That is a 17. So, you, you know that, uh, you don't know specifically about dinosaurs, but you know that most, uh, most sea creatures that are large enough to carry people, even at their fastest, do not swim as fast as a land creature running at its highest speed. So it is likely that the sea, that the water portion of the race would take up at least half of the event. So with that, we could go that Sinhorn could wild shape back into himself if possible to not be um, seen and caught out, have his short rest and then still have his two shapes left to finish the race. That would probably be tricky, though, because obviously with these being such a big event, I'm guessing there'd be people watching from everywhere. Yeah, especially with everything going on. Can I confirm, with what I've got, what sort of... I know there's restrictions on flying. Is there restrictions on water? Um, yes. Um, For a beast? For what are you, in Path of the Moon? Yeah. Yeah, uh, no. As soon as you take Path of the Moon, it gets taken off. For me, there is a restriction. Oh, yes, yeah, you can, yeah. I can't fly. Because yeah. uh, there is an option, if this is, if I'm saying it's right, the Metrodon? Yes, that, that is an option. Because that is got a speed and a swim. Yes. Oh. Maybe we can do some fast talking and... Have it entered are as... You, are you as fast as... Because we... Do you know what dinosaurs it was that the others were racing past? Um... So, Bobbit, uh, go ahead and make an intelligence check to try and re- describe the dinosaurs you saw earlier. Intelligence. That's uh, 16. 16. Um, so, you remember the dinosaurs that you saw racing past as being uh, very large four-legged animals with uh, exactly three horns arranged roughly <laughs> in a triangle shape on their face. <laughs> what what are Bulb and Zinhorn will quickly recognise as a Triceratops? Yeah. So, with Zinhorn's knowledge of dinosaurs, he would know whether they have comparable land speeds. Yes. So maybe we, if they have very similar land speeds, maybe we can do some fast talking and get a Demetrodon entered in the race instead of a Triceratops. Well, a Triceratops has a land speed of 50 feet, so... Mm-hmm. Demetrodon so what? 30 feet, but 20 um, swimming. Yeah, so you would be uh, at a disadvantage with that. The Triceratops would be faster, yeah. but... 
It's entirely mm-hmm. possible, and I don't think Zinhorn could become a Triteratops because the it's challenge rating would be too high. It's not on my list. Yeah, right. but At you could you could them. pick some other dinosaur that has a terrible land speed. The highest that I could find have a 40-foot uh, run. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. So maybe transforming when you get to the water leg is an option then. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. And so you arrive at the foot of the Tariki Gate, just outside the market ward. A large, large stone arch that serves as the gateway between the inner city and the slums outside that rest upon the borders of civilization and the jungle. Shortly after you arrive, howls from the crowd signal the excitement for the race that's about to begin. When all of you are accounted for, a short, dark-skinned Cholton female materializes at the base of the stairs leading up into the stands. Her beady eyes smile up at you as she brushes back wire-thin curls over her balding pate. The rich purple sash over loose layers of vibrant yellows and oranges denotes her station as a Port Nianzaru bookie. Nayam's Mobala, yous look like the mob, them all set me quite close, she says. In badly, ac- in badly <laughs> accented common. <laughs> Bob is just sort of staring, like, excitedly at the dinosaurs and not paying attention, because my other response would have just been to be slapped short of that, because what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) The climb up the stairs seems to take forever behind Mobala, but gives you plenty of time to piece together, but not place her dialect. I'd like all of you to please make intelligence checks. Hooray! Uh, that's a nine for Bob. Uh, ten. Ten. Nineteen. Uh, uh, that is a sixteen for Ava. Okay, so Ava and Bobbit and Zinhorn are, ma- are able to uh, understand what she's saying through a thick accent. Lucian and Bob <laughs> are just following behind, like <laughs> marveling at her rather strange way of speaking. Bob's head is just on a swivel at the moment. <laughs> Mabala firstly informs you all that she isn't fond of struggling through talking in common, and she's had to practice this briefing all morning ever since uh, Wakunga told her that he was planning to recruit Sindra Sylvain's friends to his cause. But she struggles on anyway, giving you the key points of your mission. She's helped you secure and she has helped secure you an entry into the Nanabusa Haka for your team. There are two races before the event starts, and if you want, you can place bets or watch the races from here. Hmm. To get a feel on the competition and possibly learn a bit about the races. If one of the teams that you are up against is the crooked team, being in the lead is the only sure way to force their hand. Furthermore, mm-hmm. uh, 
shortly before the Nabuso, Nanabuso Haka begins, you must register for the event and she will handle this for you. And you will be allowed to select the colour of your jerseys and your team's mascot. Oh. The mascot is my cassowary. <laughs> as you say oh, this, she looks, as, she, as you say this, she looks at you and she says, Oh, cooey, Closey would have liked the cassowary, but it'll lead them up. They only got three, three mascots ready to go, and that'll be a grung and a goblin and an arakok, but cooey. <laughs> okay, so my intelligence role accurately reflects how I hear you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> good. I understood a bit of that. <laughs> Those were words we were hearing, yes. I, I'm based on the, I think based on the fact that she says, that she calls you them mob and says cooey, that she's supposed to be speaking with an Aboriginal accent, so I okay. apologise for butchering an Aboriginal accent. Um, I'm not trying yeah. to be offensive, but I'm thinking that's how the module wants her to speak, so... Um, the area atop the gate overlooks the start and finish of the racetrack. Once the appropriate necessities has been dispensed to you, i.e. your uh, sheets that have the program for the races of today, the names of all the competitors and their mounts, Mabala tries to distance herself from you so as to not draw suspicious eyes. Cresting the steps of Tariki Gate, you step into a packed spectator gallery full of gamblers and bookies, indulging their vices in comfort, escaping the added heat of the throngs in the street. A wide parapet in the gateway centre elevates four gnome wizards over a scrying pool. Together, they manipulate a mirage of illusionary sights and sounds for the audience far below. So... Would you like to just wait out these two quick races and proceed directly to registration, or would you like to bet, watch the races, mingle with the crowd, try to get a feel on what's going on? Paul would like to place a couple of bets. Very well. I'll mingle. Okay. Uh, Bobbit and Sinhorn? Uh, Bobbit's, Bobbit's going to just watch to see if... Uh... Yeah, fix on how this all works. Yep. Plus, yeah, to see if anything um, else is yeah, just to see if anything that. else is up. Yeah, if I'm going to be in the race, I kind of probably yeah. should. Meanwhile, Sir Lucian looks and he says, "Well, hmm, this seems like oh, wait, place." Can I register? No, we'll have time to register. Well, yeah, you'll have okay. time to register. Meanwhile, Sir Lucian looks around. And he says, "This seems like a place where one with the noble breeding, such as myself, could gather quite the audience. So I shall mingle." Mm. So first, we will go to bowl. We want to mingle separate from Sir Lucian. Yes, you can. You don't have to mingle <laughs> with Sir. I, mean, I probably could have mingled and mingled better because screw him, I outrank him. But no, I want to watch. The <laughs> <laughs> so, Bulb, you head up towards uh, the purple-robed bookies that uh, have a have a betting table set up in front of the pedestal with the gnome wizards. And as you approach, you line up and you wait a few moments, and finally you are beckoned over to the table. A brown-skinned bookie looks at you and he says, "Oh, you here to make a bet?" I'm here to make a bet. 
He says, you can place a single bet up front and not to exceed 500 GP on a dinosaur of your choice to win the opening race. Sounds good. I'll you look down. You look down at your sheet to see who is uh, to see who is racing today, and I am going to put in Discord uh, the program so you can get a look at Ooh. the odds, the names of the races, and what their mounts are. The bookie helps you go through them, explaining what all the numbers mean. As Bulb, I'm pretty sure you would not be aware of things such as, you know, definitely, odds. Definitely not. definitely not. I'm just looking for interesting. Is it in general or no? I'm going to bring it up in, um, I'm going to bring it up in Milo's Lucky Dice for you. Yep. And uh, here it is. So he helps you go through the uh, paper. And um, he tells you the payout line, wager, wager uh, divided by or times determines how much you will win or how much you will win if that competitor wins. The odds mm -hmm. tells you how likely they are to win and uh, the roll will tell you what dice you will be rolling to see if this competitor wins, and what number they will win on. Okay, I think I understand it. And is this on both races? Yes. Okay. Uh, for the first race, Bob is going to bet 500 on Jungle Princess. Ah, Jungle Princess. Oh, very, very much favourite today. Mm, yes, I will accept that, he says, as he writes it down and chatters to himself in tabaxi. He says, and your second bet? My second bet will be 500 on Mountain Thunder. Mountain Thunder. He says, ooh, Mountain Thunder, yes, um, not very good odds on Mountain Thunder, but if you win, you will be rich, my friend. Very rich indeed. He writes it down, and then he hands you a paper ticket with your bets written on it. He says, do not lose this ticket. I will not pay out if you do not show the ticket. But if you show the ticket and you win, a very rich man you will be, my friend. And he smiles at you with a wide, toothy grin. <laughs> um, now, quick clarification. Did we get an inspiration at the end of last session? You did. We did? Okay. And you well, can use it on this. Food. I didn't know whether I'd got rid of it or not. Yep. Okay. And will I be able to use an inspiration to re-roll one of these dice? You will be able to. Cool. Now, uh, okay. Ava, I would like you to please make an investigation check. Now, 20. As you mingle with the crowd, you try to see what you can overhear as the audience chatters excitedly amongst themselves. And you hear a couple of things of note, that mainly that long shot wins have become increasingly common in the last few 10 days, as have, as have the mounts death, some of them occurring mere days after the race. Each time one of these long shot wins has happened, the rider has been a newcomer to the races, registered under an alias, and after claiming their prize money, never shows up to race again. 
Bobbit, please make a... Uh, Bobbit and Zinhorn, I would like you both to please make uh, perception checks. Uh, that is a 24. 24. Oh, I'm glad I'm with you because that was a 2. A 2? <laughs> yeah, so Bobbit, as you watch the dinosaurs down below prepare for the races, you're too distracted to pay attention to what's happening around you. But Zinhorn, ever cautious, watches everything with an eagle eye and try. And, and, tries to listen in, picking up every snippet of conversation he can. And Zinhorn, you determine a few more pieces of information. That the bookies are paying out incredible sums, causing doubt in punters and unbalancing the economy's investment in the pastime. The merchant prince's influence, both in Port Nianzaru and abroad, measures in wealth sustainability and insecurity in that sustainability could leave Port Nianzaru vulnerable to recolonization. Over the last 10 day, the princes have increased round-the-clock patrols of the dinosaur pens, the only exception to this being race day, when the guards shift to keep the peace and protect spectators during the race. Finally, I will roll for Sir Lucian. And he failed his charisma roll. <laughs> Why did he stop on a banana peel? Yeah. Either that or he's so desperate to just mingle amongst high yeah. society again. You look just, over. He seems way too eager. You look over and mm -hmm. you just see him relaxing, leaning back in one of the seats as he somehow has attracted a throng of Cholton women fawning over him. However, he's not so much talking to them or gathering intel than just letting them uh, hang off his arms and fan him. <sighs> and now it is time for the race, says, uh, says one of the race announcers, his voice magically amplified. The first opening race shall begin... The competitors are lining up, and go! The, we, there is a roar of excitement for the crowd as the dinosaurs below set off on their quick race around Tariki Gate. Bulb, I would like you to please roll the dice for Jungle Princess. That's a six. That is a d6 indeed. Come on, lucky one. First time I ever want to roll, though. That's a four. That's a four? Would you like to spend insp inspiration? Or no, I'll keep that save for the next that. Okay. Yep. And it is a coming around the corner, a jungle princess. Oh, no. She has uh, slipped on a banana peel. As Mountain Thunder rages ahead and he crosses the finish line. It is Mountain Thunder for the win. Unfortunately, Jungle Princess did not win the first race, and you have lost your wager of 500 GP. <laughs> not to worry, folks. They are getting ready for second race. They are lining up. The dinosaurs are there. And a three, two, one, and they go! The crowd roars once again as the competitors of the second race set off, speeding Full tilt, 
through the racetrack. Go ahead and roll your dice for Mountain Thunder, please. Um, the first roll was a four. I'm being honest here. The first yep. roll was a four. The second roll, when I used my inspiration, was a one. <laughs> nice. And the Mountain Thunder is gaining. Will he win like last race? And oh no, what's this grunt stomper and big honker uh, gaining on him? But a uh, big honker reaches out, but his arms are sadly too small. And <laughs> Mountain Thunder dodges out of the way. But Grunk Stomper is coming up, and Grunk Stomper appears to have slipped on his stray banana peel. And Mountain Thunder <laughs> comes roaring for the win. The crowd Imagine. claps and roars as Mountain Thunder passes the finish line. Imagine Sir Lucy every time a banana peel's mentioned, yeah, just, just instantly flinches. <laughs> Bulb, you have won your second wager, so you're 500 GP down, but you win. 500 times 7 from your wager yeah. against Mount against <laughs> You immediately head over to the bookies and hand in your ticket. The bookie beams at you with a toothy grin. He says, and you are rich, my friend. Just like I said. <laughs> he reaches under the counter and hands you a large leather bag that jingles. That jingles as the coins inside rattle around as he hands it to you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, after the excitement from the opening races has died down, Mabala approaches you and she directs you downstairs to register for the main event. Mabala looks at you as you walk down the stairs and she looks at Bulb and she smiles and she says, Ooh, cooey, honkers make you jigglies! <laughs> Bulb is currently dishes. Bulb shakes the bag and makes it jingle. Ah. She laughs. <laughs> he bringing in all the richie jigglies! <laughs> at the <laughs> bottom of... Fun. At the bottom of the stairs, Mabala pushes open a small wooden door and lets you into the registration room. Go on in, she says. Everything already set up by them mobs are gooey. You just go in and pick your colour and your mascot. I give you good luck and may you win. <laughs> she shuts the door behind her, leaving you in the registration room. Sure enough, another bookie approaches and in relatively unaccented common informs you that the merchant princes have paid your registration fees and all that needs to be done now is for you to pick your tunic colour and your mascots. As he escorts you through the registration room to the ready room, you pass two other teams that will be competing against you. You see a blue team, their livery stamped with the image of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and a yellow team, their livery stamped with the image of a Triceratops. The bookie gestures to them, and he says, The Rexes and the Triceratopses are the favourites in this race every year. You've got your work cut out for you if you're going to compete against them. Mm -hmm. 
He leads you through the ready room, pushes open another door, and you emerge into a small changing room marked with wooden crates filled with robes of all different colours. He gestures towards them. He says, So, colour and mascot, please. For mascots, today we've got grungs, goblins, and aracocras. Colours, we've got light blue, vibrant green, and purple. You want a grung? Yeah. Yep, okay. okay. Ava and immediately and shouts out that she wants grungs. Can they be green? You want the I grungs like to green. be green? But purple's better. But... Hey, I'm happy to roll charisma to see who wins on this. <laughs> he reaches into the grate and he pulls out a green robe. Um, he says... He pulls out the robe, he pulls out a green robe, and it has an image of a yellow grung on it. He says, you want grungs, you want green, and yellow for the mascot, of course. Bobbit, would you like to argue to change the grung's colour? Hmm. It does already have green, but... Could Bobbit have the grung in tan, maybe, please? I don't like those colors. <laughs> Ava, do you mind the grung being in tan? I cry. <laughs> yeah, fine. Fine. fine yellow's fine. fine. Well then, the bookie pulls out a stack of green robes, carries them over to you and waves his hands in front of them and you watch as before your eyes and the robes shrink and grow. Each of each of them fitting, each of them growing to fit your size perfectly. He says, "Well, that's sorted. I'll quickly uh, run through the uh, rules of the race. So, uh, well, uh, you little girl, you have the look of a mage about you. Am I right?" Yes. He says, "Well, magic is not typically prohibited during a race, but." Um, major uses of magic that disrupt the race in a perceivable way may uh, get you a fine taken out of your prize money at the end. Officials will usually look the other way for minor use of magic and magical items. However, due to the historical significance of the race, policy will be strictly enforced and violators forfeit 100 GP from the purse for each infraction. Yada, yada, yada. You understand? Oh, it is grumbling awfully in various forms of either abyssal or infernal, but then agrees. He says, further He says, furthermore, the race... <laughs> oh, God. He says, furthermore, the race will take place in four separate legs. The first leg will be a race on Triceratops from Tariki Anchorage Gate to the Grand Coliseum. Second leg will be a race from the Grand Coliseum to the Dry Docks, uh... Led by, uh, led by a pterodactyl. The third leg will be a race out onto the bay, starting at the dry docks, around Nanabuso's statue, and back to the warehouse district storehouse. The fourth and final race will be a Velociraptor chariot race from the warehouse district back to Tariki Anchorage Gate. He says the mounts for all of these events are ready and have been provided by the merchant princes. However, if you 
by any chance happen to have any beasts of your own and would like to enter them, please let me know and I'll make the necessary arrangements. Everybody so looks at every. We want to do anything with that, or so just leaving that be. Well, those triceratops, pteranodon. Yeah, tricena triceratops, pteranodon. Um, you weren't told what the dinosaur is for the sea race, and velociraptor chariot for the final leg. Okay. And did he say if there's time like between legs, or is it just? You can like... ask him. Is like just one from the other, like one straight after the other. He says, uh, he says about five to ten minutes will be provided to uh, recover from each leg of the race and transition onto the mounts for the next race. I would have thought it would be like a triathlon. Yeah, that's what mm. I mean. He says, we just go straight on to the next one. He says, the mm. order in which you will be released on the following leg of the race will be determined by your position at the end of the previous leg. Hmm. Does that include how time differences between positions? Yes. Ah, so it's less like a triathlon, more like the Tour de France. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Hmm. We can work with this. Mm hmm I would imagine that a speak with animals is not a major infraction with magic. You can ask, or you could you could ask and um risk him knowing about it and or or you could uh just risk casting it during the race and see what happens see if anyone notices this is me actually asking him could you please provide some examples of what would be infraction gaining spells he says hmm okay uh casting blur on your velociraptor so he runs faster no can do uh Sending a ray of frost at the enemy chariot uh, to throw the driver off his game. That's good. Wait, so we can actually Ooh. use certain spells to attack other people? Oh, okay. Ooh. Wait, so, so spell, spells to attack other races is okay, but spells to increase or, you know, provide bonuses for the dinosaurs is not as. Is that what we're saying here? Correct, he says, giving you a thumbs up. <laughs> We're oh, trying to see. We're trying to see uh, who wins based on who's most skilled at driving their dinosaur, or uh, by uh, putting the opponent off their game. In magical interference with the mount itself, we don't take kindly to. So, talking to a mount would be classed as interfering with a mount. Are you going to actually say that to him? Yes. He says, "Well." Yeah, because, I mean, you'd be able to discuss strategy with your mount and everything. Uh, could be seen as an unfair advantage. Okay. Mm. That seems fair. That seems fair. That seems fair. He claps his hands Good together. Bold has stuff now. Any more <laughs> questions? Mm. Nope, I was just happy that some spells are okay. So, yeah. So knowing now that knowing now that um, Zinhorn wild shaping into a dinosaur would be very much against the rules, would you still like to go ahead with it and just like yeah. try and mm -hmm. keep it on the down low? So that we don't have to do animal handling checks. Yeah. 
so that we could just go straight through and not have any potential negative. Yeah. Because I can you have an amazing animal handling score. I can do Velociraptor and I can do um, Pteranodon. Hmm. Hmm. Possibly both, as you will have a chance to rest in between. Um, yeah. Keep in mind, registering both, you'll increase the chances of someone noticing that your dinosaur is not acting particularly like a dinosaur should. <laughs> How many riders is each dinosaur allowed to have? Or is it a different rider per leg? The bookkeeper looks at his sheet and he goes, Well, you'll all be sharing the same uh, Triceratops caravan and Velociraptor chariot. You'll also be uh, riding the same dinosaur out into the bay together. Pteranodon, however, each of you will be carried by your own mount. Okay, so for three legs of the race, we're all on one mount. And for one leg of the race, we're all individuals. Yes. Where we would all need to cross the line before we're allowed to move on. Yes. Oh, dear. As far as you know. Oh, dear. Okay. Because mm. I do also have some good spells. Mm. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I'm more than happy to come more than down with cheating, but... Uh... Uh, well, we got, we, we, all my spells are now going to be used to harass the dry, the riders. Yeah, the enemy riders, mm. which is fair enough. Yay! So, would you would you like to register Zinhorn as one of the dinosaurs? I feel like we could probably get away with one, maybe. Yeah. Not Yeah. If only to try and help us stay in the front to force the other people's hands, but yeah, the we'd be pushing it. probably not the best because if everyone's got their own, then it's only one out of the group. Whereas, like the Velociraptor is all would be, and that's the final leg. That being said, is anyone going to notice that we have one team member down? Yeah, at any that's point, really problem. Like, do all of us have to be included in the race, or can I just be waiting? At the Velociraptors. Um, I feel like if we're registering as a team, we'd all have to be included, wouldn't we? You, yeah, you get the impression that as you've all registered, you all have to be present for the race. However, uh, there is a possibility that if someone is injured, they can be removed from the race. I mean, if you want to fake injury and be one of the Velociraptors, I would very much happily take that because I have absolutely no, um, no animal handling whatsoever. No. It's entirely up to you. If we're on the chariot, does only one member have to do the check? Um, the driver, yeah, would have to do the check. Everyone else is so doing their own thing. I would nominate thing. myself yeah, as I'll the driver. Because well. yeah, I've, I've got a decent animal handling. Like, would we be able to like assist the driver or...? You may be able to, but you'll probably be too busy doing other things. On inspiration dice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, do you want Zinhorn to be the Velociraptor for the last stretch? Or... I don't think that. Is... I don't think that is completely necessary. Yeah, mm. that's true. No. 
I do have should be like okay. a frostbite cantrip. Yeah, I feel like you'd be probably better off just annoying In the other people. Like final leg of the stage, the final stage. Sorry, it would probably be best with Zinhorn with his magic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. guys, sabotage. Yeah. Yeah, sabotage. Hey. Sabotage is 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 allowed in the in the rules. You can cast spells yeah, on other races. Yeah, they sabotage. But Ava drives. We sabotage. I think that's probably our best bet. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. I'm done if with that. Been, if it had been one dinosaur for the entire race, yeah, this would have been much easier have, to work around. But yeah, it might have been better to have Zinhorn. But yeah. All right. Well. All right. You tell the bookie that, no, you'll make do with the dinosaurs you're provided. He gives you a thumbs up. He says, well then, uh, good luck. <laughs> Don't fancy your chances against the Rexes and the Sarah, uh, the Rexes and the Sarahs out there, but uh, I'll be watching out for you. Finally, you are led out into the streets to begin the race. Oh, as I was going to say, as yep. we're, just quickly, as we're being led out, I know the race hasn't started yet, but could I possibly... Do a quick cantrip just as a boost as we head out. What would you like to so do? I can, I can disguise this. I do have the cheerful song cantrip, which basically is just a nice scale. Well, it's not a massive boost, but basically gives everyone a uh, well up to three people a temporary hit point. They get a plus one bonus on first attack roll, saving throw, or ability check made. Ah, and how long does turn. it? How long does it take to cast? One action. So basically, yep. as we're heading out, Bob, yeah. can just start happily whistling because you know she's a small child. People yeah, probably look at her and whistling. go, "Wow, she's just really excited to go play with the dinosaurs." No one really notices that Bobbit's casting a spell. They just think it's you know a young girl uh, excited for a cool day at the races. But as Bobbit whistles, all of you start to feel oh. pumped up and ready for anything. As you were, oh, yep. As you emerge, Sorry. as you so you get one temporary hit point and plus one to your first attack roll or ability check. Okay. Or saving throw. Or saving throw. As you emerge out from Tariki Gate, a new wave of gossip buzzes through the pre-race atmosphere. Who are these unknowns? What exactly do the Merchant Princes have in store? What chance do they stand? Will they kill their mount? Will they die? A number of anxious bipedal dinosaurs leading chariots wait at a demarcated starting line. Ah, uh, bipedal, so should say quadruped. <laughs> a number of anxious yeah. quadruped dinosaurs leading chariots wait at a demarcated starting line. Climbing aboard, you could see the route ahead indicated by the ticker tape flag strung to keep the crowd along the streets at bay. Shouting is barely audible over the crowd's excitement. A hundred yards out, a gaggle of Cholton children with vivid-coloured flags march single-file across the track. Once in place, they watch the rampants. The gnomes above gesticulate wildly to produce magically amplified trumpets. The children quickly swing the flagpoles back and forth before rushing off the track, squealing and giggling. The announcer clears his voice and shouts, Go! The three Triceratop-led chariots speed down the speed down through the streets, running as fast as they can as the race, as the first leg of the race gets off 
to a quick start. The Triceratops chariot is rather large and requires most of you to be manipulating the steering device at the same time. A single driver will not be sufficient. And so, in order to successfully spur your dinosaur through each stretch of this leg, you will require two group successes on a land vehicle group check. Oh, land vehicle, of course. <laughs> you may each choose either to participate in the group check, or you may attempt to do something to sabotage one of the other teams and give them disadvantage on their check. Um. So as your um. dinosaur sprints towards the sprints towards the red bazaar at the edge of the market district, what would you like to do? Uh, hmm. Are you sure? Oh no, that was a soldier background, I. Um, I don't have land vehicles, so no. I don't believe anyone does. Okay. Oh. So Bold if you don't have if you don't have proficiency in land vehicles, it's just going to be a straight wisdom check. Oh, okay. Oh, wisdom. Oh, wisdom. I have a oh, wisdom. Yeah, I'm going to be sabotaging. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because I do not have wisdom. Okay. So, what are you guys doing in this first stretch? So I I'm doing a, a the driving check, and I yep. got. 22. 22. Okay, DC was 11, so that's one pass. Uh, who else is who else is doing a land vehicles check or a wisdom? I check? did a land vehicles check and I got a 23. 23. Uh, Zinhorn, are you doing one? I, yeah, do we, we need more than two? So yeah, you need you need at least three to pass a group check. Yeah, that is a 12. So that's a pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oof. Oh. Meanwhile, should have got Sir Lucian to do a yeah. check instead of the <laughs> Meanwhile, Sir Lucian grabs a javelin from its holster on his back and hurls it at the Triceratops being piloted by the Rex team. He rolls and he hits, giving them disadvantage on their group, uh, subtracting one check one successful check from their group check bobbit what would you like to do um how far away is the uh the other team so now we had the rex team what was the other one uh the triceratops team you were about neck yeah. and neck starting this race however sir lucian's javelin throw has caused the rex team to fall behind a little bit yeah. the triceratops so team is is still about neck and neck with you so like right next to us yeah Okay, well, as long as spells cast on the actual people driving is okay, um, I would like to cast Blood Tide on the person, or the main person holding the reins of the uh, Triceratops. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I, when, you cast, no, no, when you cast this spell, the targeted creature must succeed on a con saving throw or bleed from its nose, eyes, ears, and mouth. <laughs> the bleeding causes no damage but imposes a minus two penalty. On the creature's intelligence, charisma, and wisdom check. Blood Ooh, tide is yes. <laughs> a bleeding creature might also attract the attention attention of creatures such as sturges, sharks, giant mosquitoes, depending on the circumstances. 
And there's some yada yada uh, medicine check can stop the bleeding or a cure wounds spell can stop the bleeding yep. for the uh, duration expired. So go ahead, roll roll me a con, please. I will roll you a con, and that is a nine. Yeah, that boy's about to have a really bad day. Have fun oh, with that. <laughs> Bobbit waves her hands. Suddenly you see the driver of the Triceratops team clutch his hand to his nose as it begins bleeding profusely holding the reins only with one hand a couple of his friends look over to see what's going on neglecting their work on the steering device and suddenly a large throng of mosquitoes just descends upon <laughs> the entire caravan and the driver so they will be doing their group check with a disadvantage Honestly, I didn't think that spell would ever really come in useful. And I remembered, hey, we're in the jungle. There's going to be goddamn mosquitoes everywhere. This is going to be fun. And so you pass through the first stretch of this race. You move in through the red bazaar. You move into the red bazaar and begin screeching through the market district. The Rex team somehow managing to catch up to be neck and neck with you while the Sarah team falls far behind their drivers still distracted with the chaos that bobbit has wrought amongst them okay <laughs> it's time for the second stretch of this leg of the race to get from the red to get from the red bazaar to the grand coliseum so who's going to be making uh driving checks and who's going to be sabotaging i like sabotage um... Oh, yep. Say... So Ava's doing okay. a driving check. Yep. And she got above the pass. Yep, so that's one group pass so far. Um Can Sir Lucian do his role first, please? Yep, so Lucian. So Lucian groans as he grabs hold of the steering device, taking it from Bulb and using his strength to manoeuvre the Triceratops through the streets, and he rolls a 14 and passes. Mm. Okay, good. Okay, um... We need one more. Yeah, we're gonna need one more, so... Uh, what's... Sinon? Mm. Is that um, yeah. um, yep, Zinhorn, would you like to do one? Zinhorn, sorry. Uh, would you like to drive, or would you like to cast a spell? Well, I have a plus four in wisdom, but I also have a good cantrip. Oh, a decent cantrip. Well, you can do this one, and then I'll do the next distract. Yep. Does that sound? Yep, so I'm distracting. All right, so... Yeah, you distract this time, and I'll distract next time, and I'll roll my wisdom save. Yep, so would that. you like to target the Rexes, who have now... Who are now catching up to you, or the Serras who are still lagging behind from Bobbit's uh, spell last round? Um, I'm going to target the Rexes. All right. What would you like with to do to them? I'm going to target them with a Frostbite. Frostbite, lovely. Okay. Bob uh... got a 14 for wisdom. Lovely. So that's the group check succeeds. And you see the Grand Coliseum up ahead, the end of this leg of the race, while Zinhorn climbs up onto the top of the caravan and prepares to cast a Frostbite spell at the Rexes. 
the Rexes make a constitution save and roll 11. They needed 15. 15. They take... Well, we won't roll for damage because you're not trying to actually hurt them, but they have disadvantage on their next roll. Oh, why couldn't we do damage? I just rolled two sixes. Damn. <laughs> That's so... You scream into the grounds of the Grand Coliseum, clearly in the lead as the audience roars and cheers. Behind you, the Triceratops team manages to catch up, screaming into the Grand Coliseum just behind you, while the Rexes fall behind, coming in third. Mm -hmm. The race seems to be going well so far. Entering the Coliseum, a purple-clad book bookkeeper ushers you out of your Triceratops caravan and then beckons you to join him inside the Coliseum itself. You hurry, following him, and then you're each harnessed to a young Pteranodon. Once the last strap mm. is clinched tight, the beasts tear into the sky. The audience cheers as the announcers, as the announcers' magically, magically amplified voice explains the next leg of the race. You must all fly into the air on your pteranodons. You will snatch ribbons of your team's colour that dangle from the interiors of the floating rings. The rings are strung up between the taller buildings in this part of the town. The first team to snatch all of their ribbons of their team's colour shall move on to the next leg of the race. Can we only get one each? Yep, only one only one ribbon each. However, you can assist someone else in getting a ribbon, or you can sabotage uh, an enemy team member to stop them getting a ribbon. Can we give our ribbons to someone else? No. Once you've taken a ribbon... Yeah. You have to just either assist or defend. Whoosh! Okay. A rival pilot zooms past you and toward a network of wide rings suspended between buildings above the cheering crowd, dangerously close to spectators. The racer overcorrects from his manoeuvre and loses control, tossing him from his saddle to dangle helplessly from the harness's tethers. He clambers back onto the saddle, sweaty, shaken, and too suddenly humble to try that risky stunt again. <laughs> I'd like you all to roll for initiative, please. Alright. Uh, okay. 12. Okay. <laughs> 12. Bulb got 14. Bulb 14. That's going to be fun. 18. 18 for Ava. Zinhorn. Na natural 20 plus 7. Ooh, oh. 27 for... Smithy. This boy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows what he's I doing. Have, I have that alert feed. I know what's going on. And so Lucian gets... So Lucian gets nine. And uh, Veska gets... Uh, Veska gets uh, 11. Okay, Smithy, you're up first. Would you like to head directly to snatch a ribbon or would you like to interfere with someone else? So, how many are now in the sky? Like, is it... We're the first ones to arrive. Yep, so you're, the first, in the sky? you're the first ones in the sky. The, uh, 
Triceratops team has just gotten onto their Pteranodons and is taking off, and the Rex team is getting getting strapped up onto their Pteranodons now. Alright, well I'm gonna go straight and grab a ribbon first up. Yep, so first up I'd like you to make an animal handling check. That is um, a dirty 20. Lovely! And so, you manoeuvre your Pteranodon closer to the rings, performing a series of spectacular manoeuvres to dodge enemy to dodge enemy team members and bring yourself closer to the ribbon in front of you. You now have a chance to snatch a ribbon, make a sleight of hand check. Mm -hmm. That is a 21. A 21. You reach your hand out, grab the ribbon and pull it off the ring, snatching your ribbon. You manoeuvre your Tyranodon away and survey the race going on below. Next up, it is... Uh, it is Ava's turn. What would you like to do, Ava? I'm going to get a ribbon. Alright. Ava, please make an animal handling check to spur your Tyranodon towards one of the ribbons. I'm good. <laughs> can you use an inspiration? Yep. Yep, you uh, can use... So that is 19 plus 7, 26. 26. Lovely. At first, you struggle to maintain control of your Tyranodon, and like that other rider, nearly ends up dangling off the saddle, but you, over, but you correct yourself and spur it onwards, and it flaps its little wings, bringing you closer and closer to... A nearby ribbon. Make a sleight of hand check to snatch a ribbon. That is a... 16. 16? 16. You reach out a feathered hand and snatch the ribbon off the ring. Your team now has two. You look around. It seems that... It seems both of the enemy teams have gathered one ribbon apiece. You are in the lead by one. It is now Bulb's turn. How many people... Um, it's a big open area that they're flying yep, out it's of. A it's, like yeah, a, it's a Coliseum, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like a ten-foot square that we're no, flying no, no, through no. that long. No. Um... Yeah, I may as well try and get a ribbon and then help the less dexterous next turn. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and get a ribbon. Alright, make an animal handling check to spur your Tyranodon in the right direction. What'd you do? That's a seven. Oh, yeah. oh no, seven. It's a seven. Bulb, you flap. You, you spur on your Tyranodon, flapping its wings towards one of the rings, and then you urge it to go into a dive-bombing manoeuvre, except you underestimate the trajectory and end up dive-bombing far under the ring, needing to correct, and you miss out your chance to snatch the ribbon this turn. It is now Bobbit's turn. Uh... See, I'm not. I'm fine with the slider handshake. My concern's going to come from trying to get this. Uh, yeah, animal handling. I want, but you know, 
Can I just do one of sabotage? So we all need to get a ribbon, correct? Yes. This First team to get all their ribbons gets to move on. Okay. Well, as much as I'd rather sabotage, I, I know we have to get through this first, so I might as well go and hope. Oh, actually, that's a 17. 17, you got it. it. Making uh, sure making sure to learn from Bulb, you follow close <laughs> behind him, and then when he moves into a dive bomb, you keep going, urging your Pteranodon upwards towards the ring. Make a sleight of hand check. You're welcome for the learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a 22 on the uh, sleight of hand check. Bobbit reaches out her hand and snatches the ribbon. You now have three. And as you look around, you take stock of the other teams. The Serras now have two ribbons, and the Rexes still have one. It is Sir Lucian's turn. He rolls and miraculously passes his check. My god. And as he swoops towards one of the rings, you notice Veska riding the same Tyranodon as him, desperately with her arms wrapped around his around his torso, screaming as the Tyranodon loops the loop towards the ring. And then as they draw nearer, Veska reaches out her hand, makes a sleight of hand check, and just misses it. Damn. Okay, Zinhorn, it is your turn again. So the Sarahs have got... Two, and the Rexes have one. And you guys have three so far. Um, I'm going to tr see a Sarah trying to go for the ring and yep. shoot off another, uh, what was it, um, frostbite. Another frostbite? Okay, that pilot is going to roll, and he rolled a 10 on his con save. Fail. Hanging from your Pteranodon, you cast off a Frostbite at one of the Triceratops riders as he begins to dive towards one of the rings. He rolls his animal handling check with disadvantage, overshoots the ring, and slams with a loud thud into the dirt ground below. <laughs> Sorry, Pteranodon. <laughs> it is now Ava's turn. Alright, since I've already got my ribbon, I should help someone else. Help Bulb? Or you can help Bulb or you can help um, Sir yeah, Lucian. Alright. I'll help Bulb. You bring your Pteranodon closer to Bulb, and now when Bulb goes to roll his animal handling check, you will roll it for him. And so it is now Bulb's turn. Bulb, Ava swoops in to assist you and grabs you by the hand as her Tyranodon leads you towards one of the rings with the ribbon dangling from it. Ava, make an animal handling check. I'm going to use an inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Let me guess. It's a one. It's a one. got a three and then a three, and can she use a second inspiration? Yeah, she can use, you can use as many inspiration as you have. Good lord. That's a this one ring is just ridiculous. 14. 14. Okay, that's close enough. You usher Bulb right underneath the ring and tell him all he has to do is reach up as you pass underneath. Bulb, make a sleight of hand check. 
Come on, Bob. Use them with a wrist. Come on. That's a 17. 17! You grab the ribbon, you feel it slipping through your fingers, but then you clutch and pull the piece of fabric off the ring. Now it's just Sir Lucian to go, but first, Bobbit's turn. Okay, well, um, hmm, what to do, what to do, obviously. You look around, you look around and you see that the Serras have still got two ribbons, the Rexes now have three. Oh. Okay, so obviously they're going to be up next then. Well, I can't say I've never... Uh, we Did we establish that guns are okay as long as we're just aiming for the people on them? Um, you didn't, but you could try. Well, no, well, to be fair, Sir Lucian threw a javelin he, he, at a driver. A ja yeah, that's true. He chucked a javelin at a You could try to deliberately miss. Hmm. And then, it would, if you're trying to deliberately miss, would a hit then be a miss? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, so Lucian hit a driver and there was no penalty announced. So yeah, I so, personally would yeah. assume that you're allowed well, to It doesn't the... do damage, it just... Yeah, it's not doing damage, it's just harassing. Yeah, it's just harassing them. Nifty. Well, I've always wanted to harass somebody with a gun while flying <laughs> in the back of a dinosaur, so let's cross that off the bucket list then. We should play Ark. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> play Ark, yes. Uh, I was going to say, I'm guessing a 22 is going to hit. A 22 will hit. You see, Three. are you aiming at a Rex or a Sarah? Um, the Rexes are in front, correct? Yes. You see a Rex yep. flying in front of you. You aim your gun and bang! It hits the side of his Pteranodon's wing, knocking it off course. And he will now make his animal handling check with disadvantage. He fails Sorry. and Sorry. he fails and undershoots the ribbon. He shouts something in rage, and then suddenly you see another Rex dive bombing towards you, Bobbit. As he gets close, he points at you, and his Pteranodon begins flapping its wings, generating a gust of wind, and you feel your you feel your ribbon beginning to slip through your hands. Oh, oh you bastards. Please, please make a sleight of hand check with disadvantage, and he's going to make one to contest. Disadvantage? Um, that's going to be a 14. 14, he rolls, and 15. You reach out trying to, trying to snatch your ribbon out of the air. But the Rex is too fast. He grabs it, smiles at you, and then tosses it down onto the into the Coliseum below. And then he shouts, "Go get it!" <laughs> and flies on. It is now Sir Lucian's turn. No, didn't. Sir Lucian passes his animal handling check directing Veska towards the same ribbon she failed to get last time. She reaches out her hand, attempting to go for the ribbon, and then a Triceratops pilot barrels towards them on the back of his Pteranodon, oh, slamming full frontal into Veska and Sir Lucian, nearly knocking them off their mount, and Veska fails to snatch the ribbon. Uh. Zinhorn, it is your turn again. 
Things are getting dirty around here. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, so the Sarahs have got two. Oh, there's one person that needs a ribbon. The Rexes have got three, and we've got well, four. Three yep, and one need... falling. Yes, Probably. one falling. Right. I am going to. I'm going to assist. Assist? Okay. Very well. Will you assist Bobbit or Sir Lucian? Um, Sir Lucian. Sir Lucian. Very well. Drive your Pteranodon as close to Sir Lucian as possible, using it as a shield to deflect any dirty blows from enemy races. It is now Ava's turn. What would you like to do, Ava? Alright, I'm going to assist Bobbit. Yep. Yay. You guide <laughs> your you guide your Tyranodon next to Bobbit, grab hold of Bobbit's shoulder, and begin speeding towards the falling ribbon. Okay. Uh Bulb, it is your turn. What would you like to do? I'm going to Scorching Ray three of the people that haven't got ribbons yet. Lovely. So that will be the Triceratops team, as they still only appear to have two ribbons. Meanwhile, the Rex's team now has four ribbons. I want to I wanna target the re- one of the Rex team. All right. So two of the Sarahs, one of the Rex team. Very well. Yeah, I want to roll the Rex team so that they don't beat us. Yep, very well. Roll your scorching ray. Yeah, but the people that have ribbons can't get the ribbon for the guy that doesn't. So if I can just... If I only focus on the Rex team... Then yeah, but you can make them drop their ribbons. If they drop their ribbons, does that count as not having ribbons? Yes, it means they have to go retrieve their ribbon. Like I'm doing with Bobbit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, did they pull it off? Oh, sorry, I missed yeah. that. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, I'm going to pull it off the Rex team. Yep, alright. So roll your Scorching Rays. That's a 24, a 15, and a 14. Okay, so one of your Scorching Rays hits. It hits one of the Rexes. He raises his hand and screams in pain, dropping his ribbon, and it begins floating down into the Coliseum. He now has to retrieve it. Okay, Bobbit, you are speeding to regain your ribbon. Ava, please make a animal handling check. For Thank Bobbit. God. Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, you pull Bobbit down, speeding up both your Tyranodons until Bobbit is underneath the falling ribbon. Bobbit, make a sleight of hand check. Come on, come on, big one. It's in that 20. You snatch the ribbon out of the hand as the audience roars and applauds. It is Sir Lucian's turn. Zinhorn, make an animal handling check. Uh, that is... 22. Yay! As Sir oh, Lucian so begins to... Yeah. As Sir Lucian begins to ascend towards the last remaining ribbon, you hover next to him with your Tyranodon, acting as a shield to stop one of the Rexes from barreling towards him. 
as the Rex, as the Rex racer swoops down towards Sir Lucian. You swerve in front of him and lash out with your and, and lash out with your druid staff, knocking him off course, causing him to dangle from the saddle of his pteranodon as it flies away. Then Veska reaches up to grab the ribbon and the audience roars in excitement as she snatches the ribbon from the ring. <laughs> the announcer roars. Now, Grung team, fly to the dry docks. It is flying. <laughs> so, you yeah. guide your pteranodons out of the Colosseum as the two teams behind you finish gathering ribbons and speed across the bay to the dry docks. You must each succeed on an animal handling check. The DC will be 11. Yeah, that's a 19. That's one. I passed. Pass. So Lucian passed. Bulb, how are we going? I failed. You failed. That's okay, it's still a group. It's okay, it's still a group success. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Upon... I'm a plant man, damn it. I'm yep. a plant man. You fly out <laughs> towards the dry docks, passing over the bay and seeing multicoloured crowds watching you from below. Upon landing, race officials urge you towards the next leg of the race. Closer inspection indicates that the ribbons you gathered are embroidered with gold. At the conclusion of the race, you may be able to sell these for a small Ooh. sum. Ooh. As you rush across the docks, the city erupts into roaring cheers. The scale master points down the dry docks to a pier where one of three plesiosaurs with a large bamboo howder awaits you. The Cholton attendant boosts you aboard and hands you each a pair of goggles and a harness with a netted satchel before raising his voice over the crowd. Head to the statue of Nanabuso, he shouts. Bricks stamped with your mascot lay at the bottom of the bay. Retrieve the bricks and take them to the warehouse district. Time to get wet! <laughs> okay, who is going to be driving the plesiosaur? I nominate Ava. Yeah. Also, oh, right. Bob already has her own goggles, so she doesn't need an extra one. Alright, Ava, <laughs> make an animal handling check, please. That is... 21. Yep. As you begin to pilot the plesiosaur's hulking mass out into the Bay of Cholt, you see the members of the Rex team scrambling onto their own dinosaur, and they soon speed out into the bay, a mere feet behind you. When you both, when both teams emerge in front of the huge statue of Nanabuso, standing on its own in the middle of a on top of a large rock column in the bay. You look back at the dry dock and see the third plesiosaur, that piloted by the Triceratops, finally heading out into the bay. Once at the base of the statue, you must each dive to the bottom of the bay and retrieve a brick stamped with your team's mascot. Or you can send the same person one by one. However, the Announcer's voice shouts out, Remember, only one brick at a time! Oh, damn it. Uh, 
So, <laughs> you have two main choices. You may each dive into the bay together and hopefully bring up one brick each, or you may send the same person down on multiple trips. Um, are we allowed to do an action if we have a brick? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. We all need to get the bricks at the same time, because I would assume that the floor of the ocean is covered in seaweed? Yes. Okay. We need to all succeed on the very first turn, because I've got a way to slow down the others. Alright, so you're all going to oh. dive in together? Yeah, I okay. am going to take this moment to like, wild shape into a giant octopus. Ah, good idea. And as you touch the water and turn into your octopus form, you hear from the land, from the direction of the land, the crowds roaring in excitement, clearly having never seen anything like this. Oh! Okay. Uh, oh, no, I can't cast a spell with my ship. Don't worry. And so, oh. you each speed down to the seafloor at the bottom of the bay. I would like each of you to make an athletics check. And yeah. Zinhorn, you may oh. make yours. You may automatically succeed on yours, being a giant octopus. So that's one automatic yeah. success. It has to be athletics. Yeah, it Can has to be no. Um, No, it has to be athletics. Athletics is swimming. Ah, shit. Yeah. Alright, that's 13 for me. 13, that's oh, a pass yeah, that's for Ava, that's, that's two passes. That's an 18, thank god, because again, I've got zero goddamn athletics. Okay, that is a group pass, so Bulb and so Lucian don't need to roll. <laughs> swimming is... Nine. <laughs> nine, yeah, you would have failed anyway. But yep. Swimming is... I was is... going to ask if my backpack could have been used, but it's like, no, that's a flight speed, I'm pretty yeah. sure this would probably... Just malfunction if I did. So Bulb, Ava, and Zinhorn speed down into the bay, and Zinhorn just grabs Bulb with one of his tentacles and pulls him along <laughs> as Sir Lucian makes That's up not the rear. At all. <laughs> you emerge at the bottom of the bay and, as expected, find the seafloor covered in seaweed, rocks, coral, and other debris. There is a pile of bricks here, all of them of the same redstone colour. However, which ones are yours? Who wants to do an investigation check? Uh, I can do an investigation uh, point, really. Yes, yes, I can do an investigation. Yeah. Yep. That's a non-nat 20. Non-nat 20. Bobbit, you quickly look around and you see five bricks stamped with an image of a grunk. Point them out to the rest of the group who begin gathering them. Each brick is approximately a foot lengthwise as it lies on its side, but you find it fits perfectly into the netted satchel that was given to you by the attendant. I would like you each to roll uh, just straight dex checks to see how quickly you manage to scoop up the bricks. Uh, 22. Uh, it's a technology save. Dex check, yep. Uh, 15. 15. Alright, um, everyone else? Uh, I'm not even with dice anymore. I got five. Okay, wow. what What about Bobbit uh, and Zinhorn? Uh, Bobbit got 22. 22. Okay. Um, and a uh, quick question. Yep. Uh, 
Uh, while we're doing this, can I do a spell on the uh, bricks themselves? Not as uh, the other ones. Uh, the enemy bricks? Uh, what would you like yes. to do? I would like to cast Prestidigitation to put the mark of uh, the... Uh, well, you said there was like a whole pile there. Yeah, some of them are preparing. unmarked. Some of them are yes. unmarked. And so would you just like to hide some? I would like to basically put marks on like the other bricks as well. Like pretty much switch around which ones have marks and which ones don't. Okay, so in order to do this, I will ask that you forfeit your dex roll just now. And we'll so count. Do you get all of our yep. bricks? You're doing that. Yep, that's what you're rolling for. Um, so, so as you start to gather up the bricks, Bobbit begins to cast pres Prestigitation, disguising uh, some of the Sarah bricks with unmarked bricks, because as you do this, the Rex team arrives at the bottom of the ocean and working oh, I, was playing, I was playing on just doing like, I was just playing yeah. on like mixing all of them up, not just the Sarah team. I know, but but um, as with with that dex success gone, they are now ahead of you in the brick gathering. Ah. So while you're struggling Good. to gather up your bricks, the Rex team manages to gather all of theirs and begins <sighs> swimming up to the surface with them. Bobbit disguises I... the rest of the bricks to hide the Sarah ones, and then once all of you have your bricks, as we're leaving, yep, I am going to ink cloud. All of, like it's a twenty foot radius, so as much of the bricks as I can, I'm going to ink cloud around those to make it heavily obscured. Aha! Uh -huh. Very well. You're not going to try to ink. You're not going to try to um ink cloud the rexes to you know maybe stop them swimming up. That's a better idea because they've already disguised the bricks. Maybe just yeah. mark them up instead. Oh, I thought because they'd already go ahead. Yeah, if it's I'll do the rexes then. Yeah. Yeah. So, once all of your bricks are securely placed into your netted satchels, you begin swimming up towards the surface. And Zinhorn raises his hand and casts Ink Cloud, shooting a globule of black ink towards the Rexes to slow them down. I need each of you to please make... Uh, I need you to please all make an athletics check. And once again, Zinhorn, you automatically pass as you are a giant octopus. <laughs> that was 17. I'm glad so, I chose uh, these guys today. You inspiration? Yep, you may use an inspiration. <laughs> I got a five. Jesus. What was it? I got a five. Yeah. Mm. So Lucian <laughs> got a pass, so that's three passes altogether, so that's enough. You emerge out of the water onto the surface and scramble onto the back of your plesiosaur. Just as you get in the howdar and begin to drive the plesiosaur away, you notice as the rexes emerge from the surface, covered in ink, begin to climb onto their dinosaur. You see the, you see the serras, their plesiosaur still empty in the bay, and you can see their yellow tunics underneath. The underneath the surface of the water, still struggling to locate the bricks. It's fine. The announcer calls out, Now! The next stretch to the warehouse district! Go! Ava, you are still driving the plesiosaur? Yeah. Make an animal handling check. 
Also, as coming back to the landing trend, uh, I'll take back to Zinhorn. Yep. In sight of the audience. In sight of the audience, yes. And you hear oh, them yeah, roar with raucous applause as they watch you transform back. 13 for Ava. 13 for Ava? That is a pass. 14. 14, oh, 14 yep. Four. Almost neck and neck. Almost neck and neck with um, with the Rexes. You speed towards the warehouse district just ahead of you. Um, forgive me for a moment. I need to look something up because this race is... Oh, there we go. Okay. And here we are. You speed towards the warehouse district. As you arrive, a trio of swarthy dwarven smiths with massive smithing hammers on their shoulders and anvils wrapped in ribbons of your colour. Ribbons wrapped uh, in ribbons of your colour arrive at your feet. They hold out their hands and shout, Give us the bricks! Give us the bricks! Give the bricks! Give the bricks! And the bricks team arrives beside you. You start pulling your bricks out of their netting and handing them to the smiths. The smiths smash the bricks placed on their anvils, revealing a hollow core hiding a metal tile. As each smith smashes a brick, he hands a tile to you and calls out the letter on it. N G F A S Then, suddenly, as you begin... And then, you are ushered further past the smiths into the warehouse. Once you each all have your lettered tiles, the smith points you in the direction of a large doorway leading out to the streets. Here, a number of velociraptors are chained to rings in the middle of the floor. A flood of sunlight accompanies you into the dilapidated storehouse. Within, a trio of, of chariot-bearing velociraptors are chained to iron rings set into the floor, which are locked by exotic combination-style locks. The smith has given you your key, the tallest official says. Now use it to open the lock, and no cheating! As you get to work, the Rexes rush out behind you, heading towards their own lock. Fangs. You think it's Fangs? Yeah, F-A-N-G-S makes sense. Yep, so you turn into Fangs. You turn all of the letters on the lock, spelling out the word FANGS. Upon entering the combination, the lock falls open with an audible clap. The race official, the race official runs forwards, carrying a stepladder to help you climb into the chariot. And as you all take your seats inside the chariot, the Rexes beside you are still struggling with their lock. And then finally, Back in the warehouse, you see the Triceratops arrive. Their bricks. Okay, so as dust. those guys yep. arrive, there's an undo spell to see if uh, they get screwed over or not. <laughs> you cast Prestigitation again, and notice that three of their bricks are unmarked. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hey, hey, a stinker. <laughs> inside, the, inside the chariot are a half dozen oval shields and large bullwhips. Climbing into the chariot, strapping on the harnesses and grabbing the reins. 
the Velociraptor issues, the Velociraptors that are tied to your chariot issue a trumpeting roar, and in unison they charge out of the storehouse into the streets of Port Nianzaru. To the Grand Coliseum, once around the market ward, and to the Tariki Anchorage Gate, you're almost there! This is the big one, the final stretch of the race. You have gained an early lead and are rushing out into the streets. A good five to ten feet between you and the Rexes, and the Serras only just now getting out into their chariots as you turn the first corner at the end of the street. Building. Okay, so. Yep. We're ahead of the Rexes, right? You're ahead of the yeah. Rexes, but only a little yeah, bit. And, the, and you're. You're definitely far ahead of this of the Triceratops. Yeah, those guys are basically going to have to turn around and go back for the uh, rest of their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the streets that we're in uh, have, like, grasses and plants and everything around them. They sure they? do. They sure do. When we're ahead and in a thin street, can I cast plant growth? Ah, yes. Good idea. You can. Are the Rexes still covered in ink? Does that disadvantage them? The They're covered in ink, but they can still see. Um, like, are their hands all covered in ink? Like yes, they are, so they will still have a disadvantage from that. Awesome. Building speed going. through the streets, the Velociraptor's gate makes it difficult to stand. Close on your heels, you see the Velociraptors piloted by the Rexes maneuvering to catch up with you. One of them has strapped one of the oval shields to his arm and looks to be readying the thick bullwhip to lash at your chariot. Looks like things are going to get tough. So, you can cast spells, you can man the shields to try and deflect the whips, or you can man a whip of yourself. Meanwhile, someone has to be driving. Well, Maver's driving, I'm guessing. Yep. Maver driving. I want to cast a spell. Okay, this turn I'm happy to take a shield up on this turn. Yep. I've got spells, or I can shield. Or whip. <laughs> You can shield or whip. What do, well, hopefully, what if I get my spell off, you won't need to whip. Mm, that is true. What does whip that goes off your strength? Is it or? Uh, it will be dex. Be dex. I think I'm better off um, spelling than. Yep. Very well. Okay, so Ava, I would like you to make an animal handling check, please. That is... 13. You spur the chariot onwards. The velociraptors look over their shoulders at you, roar and run as fast as they can. As you race, the Rex chariot moves in closer. The, the One of the racers readies his whip and he raises it and... Whoosh, Bob it, please make a con save. Okay, I'm going to use an inspiration point because that was a two, and that one's a fourteen. Fourteen. That is a pass. You quickly Oof. maneuver the oval shield in front of you and block the whip. Who I'm else? Meanwhile, another rider readies a whip. He maneuvers forward, whirls the whip around, and. Sir Lucian grabs one of the shields, makes a con save, 
And this is Sir Lucian's dice luck. It's a nine. He doesn't get the shield oh, yeah. around in time. The whip strikes your chariot, lashing against one of the Velociraptors, and you fall slightly behind, now exactly neck and neck with the Rexes. What did I got my spell out? <laughs> now, um, yeah, you're gonna get. You're not on a street with plants yet, but you will be soon. Now, uh, Zinhorn, we, you were spelling, right? Yes. Okay, what spell are you casting? Uh, the um, are the chariots above. The dinos, like, like how they, they are. Imagine, imagine or... like a Roman chariot, but instead of yeah. horses, it's velociraptors. So, like, um, if I was to do something that would go high enough to not touch the dinos, but affect the, the, um, the yeah, drivers, you could do that. I would like to <laughs> cast Windwall. Yep. At the height of the dry, like all the riders. That's cool. I like that. Um, mm. Okay. Um, I will see what you have to roll. It's Wind. a strength save. It is a strength save. Okay, so I'm going to get their driver to roll for that. And that is unfortunately an 18. Ah, nice. A gust of wind shoots forwards. However, the driver of the Rex team lashes the Velociraptors with his whip. Spurring them onwards. And they push through the gust of wind. Remaining neck and neck with you. You turn around the corner. And find yourselves bearing towards the Grand Coliseum. Large palm trees lining the sides of the... Large palm trees lining the sides of the narrow street. So Bulb, this is where you'd like to cast plant growth. Can I cast plant growth without hitting us? Um... It's Maybe not. Area. It's a hundred foot area. Uh, yeah, no, you will be caught up in it as well. I was going to say... In that um, case, I'll cast Call Lightning on the chariot trying to hit the wheel. Ooh. Okay. They're going to roll, and they failed their deck save. Oh, you boys meant to have a bad day. Crash! <laughs> Your lightning hits the wheel. This startles the Velociraptors. They rear up and the chariot flips over sideways, spilling the entire Rex team out onto the cobblestone. Can I add one more fun spell on top of that as we go? Yep, what would you like to do? Um, you said the Rexes were behind us, including that one asshole that tried to uh, knock me off my... Oh, take my yep. ribbon off me earlier. Yep. I'd like to cast Blood Tide on him before we get too far <laughs> Since he's surrounded by four Velociraptors, I'm sure the smoke of blood would go wonders. Oh, okay. So, con save, please. Con save, please. He fails his con save. And oh, as you spur your chariot ahead, Ava, I would like you to make a an animal handling check with advantage, as it doesn't look like the Rexes are going to be much competition right now. I was going to say, you can almost see a bobbit going, Have fun! That's oh, 20. Oh, 20. You speed ahead, rounding around the Coliseum and oh, beginning the final stretch of the race. As you turn down into the main street leading towards the Tariki Anchorage, you hear the audience behind you shrieking with delight. Roars of excitement that quickly turn into screams of terror as you hear one of the Rex racers screaming for his life. As the Velociraptors gather around him. <laughs> oh my god. That guy was a jerk. It seems to be 
A it seems to be an empty straight right to the finish line. But, miraculously, as you see the Tariki Gate drawing nearer, the colourful throng of spectators gathered, gathered around, ready to welcome the winners of the race. Somehow, miraculously, you hear the pounding of running feet. You look behind you, and you are shocked to see the Triceratops team gradually gaining speed until they are neck and neck with you, seemingly having come out of nowhere to reclaim and a lead. And, and as, there it is. As they draw neck and neck to you, their races get ready on the on the shields and the whips. And as they draw near you, I'd like you all I'd like you all to please make perception checks. Ooh, and, uh, 18. As as they draw nearer, you get your first close look at them for the entire race. You notice that although they look like humans, their skin appears to be covered in snake scales, carefully hidden with carefully hidden with makeup to give them the appearance of normal humans. They look at you, narrowing yellow serpentine eyes, and then they spur their velociraptors forward. The velociraptors' eyes, you notice, being bloodshot, frothing at their mouths, frothing as they run faster and faster. Okay, who's on shields? Who's on whips? Who's casting spells? Frostbite. And Sam. Um... I don't think that blood side trick's gonna work twice. I was gonna say maybe I could prestigitate the makeup off one of them, but I know it's gonna help us win a race, so I might just take shields on this one. Shields. So Lucian grabs a whip. My options are I can either flaming spear them, mm. dissonant with bazum, or shield. Hmm. Well, shield will be a con save. Whip will be a dex or strength check, depending on which one's higher. And a spell is a spell. Would I know if, like, being serpentine, reptilian things, whether cold would affect them more? Um, you know that they are... You you suspect that they are URNT, and yes, you suspect that cold would be actively dangerous to them. I would like to dissonant whispers them, so I'll do a spell as well. Yep. Alright. Let's just work in defense for everybody then. They draw <laughs> nearer, two of them with their whips. Bob it, make a con save. Sixteen. Sixteen. You block the whip, but the second whip comes in, striking Sir Lucian, making him unable to whip back. And unfortunately, losing you some ground. Then, Bulb and Zinhorn step forward and begin chanting, raising their hands as they cast a spell. Who, which, who, which of you has the highest dex? My dex is fifteen. Fifteen, and what's I'll yours, Bulb? Yep. I have sixteen. Sixteen. So, Bulb, your spell goes off first. What are you casting? Dissonant whispers. Dissonant whispers. And as you cast it, one of the Triceratops races stands up, raises her hand, and casts Counterspell. 
Okay, that's not that bad. That's okay. Now, Zinhorn, your spell goes off. What do you cast? Um, I'm going to attempt to do a ice knife. Yep. At third level. Third Oof. level. Very well. You may roll to hit them. Go ahead. That is a 16 plus... What is it? Seven? Seven. 16 plus seven. Seven. So yep, that's a hit. You fling your ice knife. It hits the driver, and as it hits him, it shatters, sprinkling icicles over the rest of the team. They all scream in shock, giving you enough time to catch up to them. By the time they recover from the shock, they are just behind you. A feet or two, but are rapidly gaining. This is it. It's down to the line. It's going to be a contested animal handling check. <laughs> oh. Ava, go ahead, make your animal handling check. You got this. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Okay, I'm gonna roll theirs. And it's an eighteen! And so, you look at them and can't help giving them a smile as you push your chariot just past theirs, the heads of your velociraptors moving into the Tariki Gate, winning you the race as the race officials and spectators alike cheer and clap with raucous applause. Yeah! Somehow you won the race. Uh, <laughs> damn. Somehow. Somehow. Once all three teams hobble beyond the finishing line, you are quickly surrounded by bookkeepers and race officials who usher you out of your chariots and... As the audience continues to cheer and clap, usher you to an ivory to an ivory trimmed podium for the medal ceremony. The award ceremony takes place atop a platform in the Tariki Anchorage, just across the dinosaur pens. And as you are escorted towards the podium, the dinosaur, the velociraptors behind you are unfastened from their chariots and led away by handlers towards the dinosaur pens. The platform with the podium is overlooked by the gate top viewing area where the merchant princes declare their accolades, all of them clapping, including Wakunga, who is looking down at you, smiling with genuine joy. As you fasten the last of your gear back in place, all manner of people, from wealthy merchants to the homeless in the Tariki Anchorage, fill the streets surrounding the elevator platforms near the dinosaur ben pens. Embellished rumour and tall tale already circulate the crowd when a tall, broad-shouldered Cholton, the race marshal, calls for quiet. Whether first place or show... These races proved they've embodied the strength and fearless of our Nanabuso. The crowd chants in unison, Nanabuso, 
Nah, Nabuso! Smiling, the marshal continues. And Cholt rewards those who face fear and bested. Step forward, warriors, and collect your prize. And as you step forward to the edge of the podium, three race officials step out of the crowd, each of them carrying a large trophy, one of gold, one of silver, and one of bronze. They walk over to you, hoist your trophy up, and as the teams beside you take theirs and raise them above their heads as the crowd cheers, who's going to grab the gold cup and show Bobbit. it off? And then I want to raise Bobbit. Yes. Ava grabs Bobbit as Bobbit grabs the sides of the gold cup and holds it above her head. Yay! But you, you have scant yeah, time to celebrate for just yeah, as you hoist the trophy for, their, for the adoring public, there is a terrible scream in the direction of the dinosaur pens that interrupts oh, no. any celebration. Yeah. And I will be grabbing the appropriate music now. Am I going to have to handle these animals, Jill? Yep. <laughs> Hovels and shanties at ground level shake as screams and alarm <laughs> bells reverberate through the district. The huge crowd that has assembled to watch the race and ceremony now flee towards the Tariki Gate, hoping to get through before it's locked ahead of them. Do you rush towards the dinosaur pens as the crowd quickly disperses around you? I would like to fly up to see if I can see anything. Me too. Okay, Ava and Mole fly up, and as they do so, the other two teams drop their trophies on the podium and scatter into the crowd, running for their safety. Bobbit, mm -hmm. you can't help but notice that their trophies are now completely unattended. Yeah, no, I didn't need you to tell me that part. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, did they leave their trophies behind? But hey, if they're going to leave them... Um... Oh, would I have to roll anything to try and scoop yep. those up? A sleight of hand check DC 15 to grab one of the trophies. Ooh. Uh, what would a 21 get me? Do you want the bronze one or the silver one? Uh, we've already got the gold. Might as well take number two while we're at it. <laughs> As the rest of the party leaps off the shaky podium, you reach out grab the silver cup, and as you pull it towards you, you feel the podium collapsing underfoot. Make a deck save. That seems fair. I was going to say, will I have time to actually, um, like, activate my backpack so I don't fall over? Oh, yes, you do. So you just like to activate your backpack? Yeah. I'm you not, leap I'm not into the air and pull the string on your backpack as the propeller immediately appears and begins to whir, saving you from Taking a nasty fall into the dirt and grass below. The podium See, I knew collapses. That was a trap, but screw <laughs> you, I was going for it anyway. The podium collapses and the bronze cup rolls away into the panicky crowd. You slowly hover above the ground and then land next to Zinhorn, Seleucian, and Veska. 
I need now Bulb and Ava to do perception checks, please. So, Bulb got a 17, and Ava got a uh, 10. 10, very well. I'm going to switch maps. Bulb got 17. Bulb and Ava, flying up in the air, you can just see past the stone walls into the dinosaur pen. You can see three ankylosaurs slowly advancing upon someone who's cowering in the pen. The fence separating the two nearby enclosures buckles as the dinosaurs lumber in slow pursuit of a terrified little Cholton girl, an assistant to one of the handlers. She attempts to ward the beasts off with a pole tipped with a blunt iron hook. Though slow, these dinosaurs block the child's only escape. The beast's eyes The beast's eyes are cloudy and their movements stilted. They are clearly undead. Oh. oh. Crap, that's a new one. So how far away am I? Um, you are about about forty feet away. Am I 40 feet away? You're about the same, yes. Okay. Um, well, I would like to misty step and fly the rest of the distance to in front of the child. Yep. So that's what you do for your action. Ava, what would you like to do? Um, I want to... Because I, I can reach her. Yep, you're just going to fly straight um, to her. I'm going to grab her. Yep, you're going to fly to her and grab her and pull her away. And now I would ask you all to roll for initiative, please, as combat begins. Uh, 17. 21. 21 for Bulb. 17 for Bobbit. How much for Ava? 15. 15 for Ava. How much for Smithy? 21. 21. Okay. Uh, Bulb, you are up first. Okay, so that's my one use of Misty Step used. Um, you got yourself I... in a position where you and Ava can protect the girl. Yay. I'm going to cast... From where I am, would Burning Hands hit at least two of them? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, one and three, I believe. Oh, yeah, I can zoom in. Fuck, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, so one and three. Yeah, I will cast um, Burning Hands on uh, the two that I can hit. Yep, so two and three. Very well. They're going to okay. make dex checks, and that is a 15 and a six. Okay, so the 15 passes, because that's my Yep, phase. so that will be three, and meanwhile, two, uh, uh, three, and three passed, one did not. So yep, go ahead and roll the damage. Go get the spell up, because yep. on my phone, but... Uh, yeah, what level are you casting it at? Uh, just first level. Uh, it should be... Three uh, three D8. Yep, 3d8. Uh, 3d6. Which takes 3d6 yeah, Yep. So how uh, much? So that is 
11 full damage. 11 full damage and 6 to number six to number 3. Shielding the girl from harm, you bare your wings and shoot out a plume of flame, holding off the dinosaurs. They roar in anger and hunger. Uh, Ava, it... Uh, uh, Zimhorn, it is your turn. Yep. Uh, am I able to move up so I'm diagonally bottom left of number one? Yep, so here. And that way, what number one and number three are both in a 15-foot cube from me. Ah, so you would so like to go... So one and two. Ah, so you'd like to go here. Uh, in between one and two, get them both in a 15-foot cube. Yes. Very well. Wedge yourself in between the two raging undead dinosaurs and prepare yourself for what happens next. I am going to cast Thunder Wave. Yep. Ooh, nice. They're going to make dex checks. Uh, Con, uh, Con, yep, Con for Thunder Wave. So that's going to be a 16 and a 5. So the 16 passes, the 5 does not. Yep. Um, and so what is it? It is... It is... Um, I'm going to do this at... I'm just going to do this at second level. Yep. So it's 3d8. Eight and five, so that is, eight and five is 13, 14 damage. 14 damage, ooh, ooh, and seven to number two. Not bad at all. Getting some nice damage on them. There's now the and dinosaurs. Also the yep. one is moved 10 foot. Yes, away. one is moved 10 foot away to you, away from you, pushing him towards Ava. Is now the dinosaurs' turn. Ankylosaur Zombie 1 recovers from the Thunder Wave and lumbers towards Ava. Swinging around his club-like tail. That is a 12 to hit, so Ava, you duck as the tail swings over your head. Zombie number 3 lumbers towards Bulb and the girl and lashes out with his tail. That is a 22 to hit. Bulb, would you okay, like... 22 to hit? Yep, there's a 22 to hit, so that is... Yep, that hit. Um, and you are taking, Bulb, uh, 22 points of bludgeoning damage. You must make a strength save. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that one. The club-like <laughs> tail knocks you off your feet and you are prone. Uh, Ankylosaur uh, Zombie with my strength is a zero. Yep. <laughs> Ankylosaur Zombie Two steps forwards towards Zinhorn, Zinhorn, and swings its club-like tail. And that is a nineteen to hit Zinhorn. Oh, yep. You yep, take eighteen points of bludgeoning damage, and you must make a strength save. Mm. Strength save. That is a six. <laughs> a six. Uh, you fall prone as the heavy tail knocks you 
off your feet. In the pen next to you, the Triceratops zombie just stands, crushing the ground beneath his feet. It doesn't move. It is Ava's turn. Um, I'm picking up the child and flying away. Yep. That will draw an attack of opportunity from Ankylosaurn zombie number one as you carry the child out of the pen. And he swings with his tail, and that is a ten to hit. You dodge out of the way and airlift the crying young girl out of the pen, leaving her safely on the other side of the stone wall. What else would you like to do, Ava? I was going to say, do I have enough... I guess I'll, I'll have enough movement to fly back up and take yep. a shot. Yep, you fly back up into the air and take a shot at Ankylosaur Zombie 1. Alright, that's uh, 13 plus. 21. 21. That's a hit, roll for damage. What am I with this? D8. So that is 10 uh, plus. Plus your psychic. Yeah, plus 2. It's a 12, a good hit. Would you like to fire another arrow at him? Um, did me picking up the child count as an action? Ah, uh, no. That was I would I would count it as a bonus action with your extra attack. Okay. Just, when you attack, you get two attacks. All right. Yep. That is an eighteen plus eight. Yeah. That's it. Roll for damage. Um, that is a nine. A nine. Nine points of damage. Not bad. You've cleaved off twenty-one hit points in that round. As, as you as you watch your arrows slam into the rotting, thick hide of this huge dinosaur, it is now Bobbit's turn. Okay. Uh, Bobbit, since my backpack's still active, I'm actually going to fly over pretty much to where the Triceratops zombie is and uh, try yep. to make sure that doesn't get into the fight. And that will pretty much get its attention by taking a shot at it with my pistol. Yep, you hover into the Triceratops zombie's pen and you fire at him. Go ahead and roll. That's a, oh, 17, that's a 25 to hit, so that's I think I'm safe That's definitely a there. hit, yep. Roll your damage. And that's going to be that's a that's going to be 9 plus plus 5, so 14 points of uh, piercing damage. Yep, you're going to use a special bullet or is this just a normal bullet? Actually, I might use one of my flame bullets on this thing. Alright, so, so add another extra dice of fire damage. And you can have an extra 8 points on top of that point, so it's 22 points all up. The Triceratops roars as your bullet smashes a piece of its horn off. It is Sir Lucian's turn. He rushes towards Ankylosaur Zombie 2, and he swings at it with a goading attack. He hits! He deals 9 points of damage, adds his superiority dice of 14 points altogether. And now that Ankylosaur rolls a disadvantage if it attacks anyone other than Sir Lucian. It is Veska's turn. She moves her full movement up to the bottom of the pens and fires a ray of frost at Triceratops Zombie, but misses. Okay, it is Bulb's turn. If these are zombies and you've specified they have rotting flesh, 
Do they have the normal undead weakness to fire? They sure do. Then that 11 that I rolled before should have been 22 and a 12. Ah, very well. 22 and a 12. Lovely. Um, okay. Uh, this time I'm going to... Oh, I only have 11 health. Um... Fuck it. I'm going to cast... I'm going to fly 15 feet up. Yep. Taking a... There. You will take an attack yep. of opportunity, though, unless you've disengaged. A disengage is an action, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna... You wanna risk it? <sighs> Actually, I'm not going to move. I'm just going to cast Scorching Ray. Yep. To hit. I want to try and get one advantage, at, but no one at each. I'll be hit and taken down. So I'm going to send one ray at each. Yep, alright, go ahead, roll yep. to hit. Uh, that's a bit better. That's only, only one of those is going to miss unless they have an AC of 9. No. <laughs> um, 24 and 22. 24 and 22 do indeed hit. So that will be. Uh, which two would you like to hit? Uh, 3 and. One, as they're the closest yep, they're to the me. closest. Very well. Go ahead, roll your okay. damage. Only, uh, that's... So the first one... The first one takes... I rolled two ones. That's two for five damage. Five damage. Star. Yep. Uh, and then the second one... Will take... Oh, that's so much better. Uh, 22 damage. 22 damage, ooh, ooh. That so is... 22 damage to the one that was hurt the most, please. Yep, yep, to number three. So, ouch. <laughs> These dinosaurs are not looking happy. And number three in particular is looking quite close to death. It is Zinhorn's um, turn. Unless Bold wants to do anything else. Is there anything that I can do as a bonus action? <laughs> um, any spells that have bonus actions? Otherwise, no. Ah, uh, fuck. Um, I'll cast. Uh, no, I'll cast Healing Word. That's my last spell. That's on my cell. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll take a potion of healing, actually. Alright, drink a potion of healing. 2d4 plus 2 is yours. Yep. Under attack by the Ankylosaur zombies, you grab a potion of healing and. Chug it down. Yeah, I'm on 20 health again. I might and it survive is, a hit. You might survive. It is Zinhorn's <laughs> turn. Alright, so I'm going to, as a bonus action, uh, cast Flame Blade. Yep. And also, before you do that, I'll just re remind Bulb that Bulb, you are prone. So, yeah, you would have had to use movement to get up to fly away first. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Zinhorn, you're casting Flame Blade on Ankylosaur Zombie 2. Yep, so, us. so Flame Blade, and then as my action, I will attack with said Flame Blade. Yep. So go ahead and attack. And that is a uh, 16 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for damage and add your extra Flame Damage from your Flame Blade. So is it just the damage because it says 3d6? So is it... 
I always do it as in addition to your... Well, actually, oh, no, so it's just the fiery blade you're taking with. Yes, it's just 3d6, and you double that because it's weak to okay. it. That is... 9 times 2 is 18. 18. Nice. A good bit of damage. Your flame blade sears off a couple of scales. It is now, unless you'd like to move, it is Ava's turn. No, just standing there. Alright, Ava, what would you like to do? Three's really hurt. I will shoot number three. Yep, go ahead. Well, I want to, I want to fly up and... Fly up to get advantage. I'm going to clarify yep. that I'm flying in the sky. To get advantage, okay. I'll put <laughs> you next to the ball. Alright. Go ahead and roll with advantage to hit him. Yep. Alright, so that was 12 plus 8. 20. 20, uh, that's, non that 20. That's a, that's a hit. Roll your damage. Yep. Uh, that was a... an 11. An 11. Uh, plus a d4. Plus a d4. A good hit. 13. So... Two. Yeah. yeah so. so two psychic damage. Well. Yep. He roars in pain and stumbles, barely being able to remain on his feet. Would you like to go in with your extra attack? I'm going to go ahead and also make him my favourite foe. Yep, finish him off. Which adds another d4. Yep. On my next attack, I think, for this one. Um, I still got advantage, yeah? Yeah, you still got advantage. Alright, good. <laughs> Although that wasn't much better. Uh, what's 6, what's 8? 14. 14. So, 14? 14 hits, roll for damage. Uh, that is... Math. 12. 12. Your arrow slams um, into him. You get to oh, now add your favourite foe damage. Yeah, so that's a d4, which was a 1. The point of your arrow slams into his eye, and if you did not have that one damage, you would have been left with one HP, but instead, <laughs> he roars and topples over dead. It is now the enemy's turn. The Triceratops zombie stamps its feet, and it makes a charge at Bobbit. Uh, uh, uh. I will need a DC 15 wisdom save. Thank you very much, Mr. Undead. Yes, because he is an undead. <laughs> yep. He will be making a wisdom save. Let me see. That is a four. So you can either hit someone else or you can bugger off. As he, <laughs> as he charges towards you, he, he reels away, roars as if he's frightened, corrects his course and charges towards Zinhorn. And since he's gone past me, do I get an yep, attack of opportunity? Yep, you do get an attack of opportunity. Good answer. In that case... Um... Hmm... What's he use? What's he use? Because I can use a spell. Um, if I weird question, if I use burning hands, would that only hit the um triceratops as it comes directly past me? Uh yeah, would only hit it. The what says for warcaster is it has to cast in time of one action, must target only yep, that creature. You can do burning hands. Nifty. Well, I will do that then. So I believe I will need firing that. That's so automatically fired at second level. So I will need. I believe it's a deck save? Yes, it is. 
It is a dex save. Let me see. Dex save. It is a three. So go ahead and roll your full damage on the Triceratops. Outstanding. So it's going to be, I believe, 4d6. Yep. That's so 15 points of fire damage as it comes past. Ooh, you singe its hide as it roars, runs past you and charges its zinhorn. As it has moved 20 or more feet during its charge, zinhorn, I need you to make a strength saving throw, please. Sorry, zinhorn. <laughs> Was that... Uh... That is a 21. That is a 21. You manage to stand firm as it charges at you and you do not fall prone. But then it moves in with its gore attack. 16, it just... just yeah. hits you. And you no, it's alright, I'm as 18 Ah, yes. Area. So it attempts to gore you, but it is unable to pierce your armour. And the blow nearly knocks you off your feet, but you remain firm and you avoid taking 24 points of piercing damage. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ankylosaur Zombie 2 attacks Sir Lucian and he blocks its tail with his shield. Ankylosaur Zombie 1 moves towards Ava and lashes out with its club tail. With disadvantage. With disadvantage. And that is a 19 and a 16, so it just hits you. You take 19 points of bludgeoning damage, and you must make a strength save, please. Strength save? Yep. Uh, save, save, save. What's four? 14. 14. And is that a pass? Let me see the DC's 13, so it's a pass. Ava remains flying in the air. She took a bit of a, the wind knocked out of her from the club tail, but she corrects herself, gathers her breath, and continues flying. Then, to the north, a Yuan Ti priest emerges from the butchers, oh, leaps over the stone fence into the pen, and casts a spell at Bobbit, and it will be command. Aw, uh, uh, you threw that in just because I fucked off your zombie, didn't you? <laughs> no, that thing was hiding there this whole time, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah on, the stream, you could, you, on the stream, you could see it hiding there the whole time. Make a exactly, wisdom sorry. save, please, Bobbit. Oh, you bastard. Uh, big money, big money, big money, and shit, that's a six. What am I doing? She looks at you licks out with a forked tongue and says grovel and you fall you move towards her and then throw yourself at her feet falling prone Aww. then as a bonus action she casts shield of faith on herself it is now uh bobbit's turn you are prone, Bobbit. Nifty. Um, the command is no longer in effect. You can do what you wish. Well, that part's fine, um, so I, I guess I will stand back up. Yep. We will be right back, guys. Sure. Yep. Maybe about ten minutes or so, maybe. Yep. 
15. Hmm, what options, what options, 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 options. Um, I might actually cast uh, Armor of Agathes on myself, and I'm going to be right next to this. Ah, good choice. So I'll do that. That's unfortunately going to be my last, my last spell, um, slot. spell slot. Yep. But it's going to be hard to fight the ones. Yeah. Five temporary hit points, and also oh, ten temporary hit points, and if it hits me, you take ten cold damage. Yep. Okay, it is Sir Lucian's turn. He strikes at Ankylosaur Zombie 2 and misses. It's Veska's turn. She moves into the pen and casts Magic Missile at the Yuan T Priest. Hitting her for 16 points of force damage. It is now uh, Zinhorn's turn. I'll just skip Bulbs for the moment. Yeah, uh, so do we know Bulb was on 20 health, was he? Yes. And do we know Ava's health? We don't. Oh, she took she took 19 damage, so she's about on 30-ish. Okay. And Solution? Solution has hasn't been hit yet, strangely. And Bob is still at full. Yeah, Bob is still at full as well. Okay. So I'm going to use my action to um, turn and swipe at the Triceratops with the Flame Blade still in effect. As my action, and then a healing word level one on bulb. Very well. So roll to hit the triceratops. Is an eighteen. Eighteen hits. Go ahead. Roll your damage and double it. It's weak. Three d six. That is eleven. So twenty-two points of damage. Twenty-two points of damage. Lovely. You singe some of its rotting flesh away, and then you cast Healing Word upon Bulb. Go ahead and roll for that. And that's level one. Level one, yep. And that is six points of healing when they get back. Six points of healing, nice. Okay, I will take... Uh, we'll skip them for now. Move to the enemy's turn. The Yuan-Ti Priest casts Inflict Wounds upon Bobbit. She's going to roll to Not hit with a more. melee spell attack. You're going to be taking that 10 cold damage, you piece of crap. And that is a, an 18 to hit. That is exactly my AC, and yep. this is going to hurt. <laughs> yes, so you will now take... Uh, inflict wounds, so I can roll it. Um, and she is casting it at second level. Yep. Fun, so fun. that will be 4d10, so that will be yeah. 20 plus... Uh, 20 plus... Uh, so 22 points of necrotic damage Bobbit takes. <laughs> Yay, fun. And then yeah. she takes, you may roll the cold damage that she takes for hitting you. No, 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 she just, she just straight up takes 10. There's takes no 10 roll. cold damage, and actually she takes 20. Because cold is her weakness. Good she answer. kisses at you. <laughs> mm, should have tried hitting me then. Belly balanced fire there. Eh? The Ankylosaur Zombie 2 goes for Sir Lucian. It swings with its tail. It hits. Sir Lucian takes 16 points of bludgeoning damage and is not knocked prone. The Triceratops Zombie attempts to gore Zinhorn again. That is a 22 to hit. 
Zinhorn, you take 16 points of piercing damage as the creature slams its horns into you. Then, Ankylosaur Zombie 1 moves past Ava towards Bulb, drawing an attack of opportunity from Ava. She hits it, deals 11 points of damage, and Ankylosaur Zombie goes down. Ankylosaur Zombie 1 goes down. Okay, it is now Veska's turn. She rushes forwards, and she casts Shatter on the spot where Zinhorn is. Unfortunately, she'll be hitting Zinhorn with this, but... So, Zinhorn, you need to make a con save. That is... 13. 13. Unfortunately, that's a fail. A sudden loud ringing noise, painfully intense, erupts from a point at your feet, striking you and the two dinosaurs. All three of you, Zinhorn and the two dinosaurs, take 14 points of thunder damage. Everyone's just, oh, out. Uh, Everyone's just after Zinhorn today. She's throwing shatters. I throw a zombie at her. Veska shouts out, Sorry! <laughs> I will take Bulb's turn. He casts Healing Word upon Zinhorn. Healing <laughs> Word. Zinhorn, you receive... Uh, eight points of HP. From his Healing Word. And then for Ava's turn... She rushes forwards right up to Zinhorn and casts Cure Wounds. I'll put on notice saying you're not really a true member of the group until you've either been messed with or beaten up by a member yes. of the group. So <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're definitely in now. Welcome. You just passed your initiation. That did take me down to three. <laughs> At Zinhorn, you, you gain another eight HP. Ugh. Yay. Okay. <laughs> it is Bobbit's turn. Well, if this lovely look, I may not have inflict wounds, which is a shame because a fantastic spell. I should look into that. But I do have something just as much fun, and since I'm right next to her, I'm going to pull out my Wand of Magic Missiles and point it directly in front of her and just point blank six level magic missile directly in the face. <laughs> okay. Bobbit doesn't like this lady. So that's going to be. Go ahead and roll all that damage. I believe that's 11d4. 11d4 plus 11. Oh, yeah. 11d4. Are we learning anything yet from messing with the child? I really think we should stop doing that. Big whammies, please. 45 points of damage. Suck. The Yuan-Ti Priest shrieks as she goes down in a hail of magic missiles and is lifeless. <laughs> oh, it just blows the smoke off her wand and goes, yep. That's what happens. <laughs> it is now Zinhorn's turn again. Uh, well, still got these dinosaurs surrounding me and still got my uh, flame blade. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'd take a swing at the Triceratops again. Yep, go ahead, roll to hit the Triceratops. That is... 12. 12. Un let me see, I think... 
that's not a hit, but let me just double check um, on the Triceratops. Unfortunately, no, it's not a hit. It's AC 13. Nuts. Okay. Um, and then I yep. am going to do another first level healing word, this time on myself. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> and that is six points of healing to myself. Okay, it is Bulb's turn. Bulb steps forward and he flies up in the air and with advantage he casts Produce Flame at Ankylosaur Zombie number two. He hits it and his Produce Flame deals. Let me see. Okay, so it's going to be 2d8 doubled. 12 points of damage. Ankylosaur zombie shrieks in pain as it goes down from Bulb's produced flame. It is now Ava's turn. She uses a bonus action to declare the Triceratops zombie as her favoured enemy. And then she switches from her bow to her swords and goes in with two attacks. The first one misses, but the second one is a nat 20. She hits it for 12 points of damage, plus 4 from her psychic, so 16 plus from her favourite foe, so she hits it for 20 damage altogether. Oh. It, it is now the Triceratops Zombie's turn. It roars in rage and attempts to gore Ava in retaliation. And that will be... An 11 to hit, so Ava just ducks as its horns swing harmlessly through the air. It is now Bobbit's turn. Well, you know, I started this fight by shooting a Triceratops. I might as well see if I can finish by shooting a Triceratops. Yep. And I'm guessing a 22 is going to hit. It will hit. Go ahead and roll damage. And I'll just stick with a normal bullet this time. So that's going to be 7 plus 5. 12 points of damage there. 12 points of damage. You raise your gun. The Triceratops looks at you and you fire. Bang! Its eye shatters into crimson gore. It roars and then sinks to the ground, kicking up a cloud of dust. And that is Me. the end of combat. Bobbit would like to see if there was anything on that uh, Yanti priest or what's left of her. Of course, of course. I was going to get to that. Um, no, nope, actually the how we're doing it. The, yep. Um, <laughs> uh, let me get the correct music. And okay, so as soon as the combat is over, Bobbit rushes towards the uh, dead Yuanti. Right over to her. And Bobbit, I'd like you to do an investigate check, please. Okay, that is a 16. The body of what appears to, at first glance, be a dead woman, which you know to be the Yuan Ti, lies trampled beside the toppled fence. The remains of a mangled spell scroll and a rectangular satchel on the ground behind her. Well, um, I will probably go through the satchel first, but I would like to have a look at the remains of that spell scroll to see if I can work out what spell she yep. was trying to use there. Okay, uh, make an arcana check, please. 
what I can do. Uh, what's I can... Oh, that's a nat 20. I don't need to worry about adding crap to that. You, find, you look at the spell scroll, and there's not much left of it. It's been used up and torn apart, but there is still a small aura of... A residual aura of necromancy magic uh, emanating from it. Likely, whatever spell the scroll contained was used to create the undead dinosaurs. I'm guessing casting Mending Art's not going to bring this spell back, is it? No, no. Ah, well, that was worth asking. So you'd like to search the satchel next? Yes, I would. You crank open the small satchel, and inside you find a jade statue of a large serpent, as well as other personal effects and religious-looking knickknacks. What is your uh, passive like... perception score, Bobbit? Oh yeah, my passive perception score is and has always been 10. 10, yeah, that's all you notice. However, you do notice that uh, the religious knickknacks and the jade statue appear to be of quite uh, immaculate design and may be worth something if you could actually determine what they are. I mean, can I would, roll religion? Would a passive perception of 17 do anything for that? Would you like to come over and look at the satchel with him? Yes, I would. With Bobbit? Yep. So you, with her. So as uh, Ava and Bulb attend to the young girl who they saved, you head over and join Bobbit and just look over her shoulder and she rifles through the Yuan T satchel. And you notice, uh, you notice Zen Horn, a faint amount of silvery blue paste smudged on the inside of the satchel's primary flap. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm? Don't know Did what it's... Them? There doesn't seem to be any sign of what it's from. However, hmm. you can do some further investigation with... Uh, if someone would like to conduct an investigation check. I can do that. Uh, ooh, that's a 19. A you just got it. The DC was 18. You look around oh. this. You look around the silvery blue paste that uh, Zinhorn has pointed out, and you find a small compartment sewn into the lining of the satchel, containing mm. two glass vials and a small mortar and pestle. Oh, interesting! Interesting. Me thinks maybe these glass vials had something to do with the. Yeah, with, well, the, with the dino tampering. Yeah, most likely. Um, well, would, you, would you like to take a look at the statue and see if you could try to identify it while Bulb and Ava I'm, attend to the child? What would I roll for that? Uh, religion, if you've got it. I do, actually, oddly enough. And that is a 25. You identify the jade statue as being a depiction of Dendar the Night Serpent, a, an apocalyptic god worshipped by Yuan-Ti in Chult. Their belief is that Dendar the Night Serpent, their creator, sleeps, and it is their duty to wake him up. And upon his awakening, he will devour the world. Sounds entirely cheerful and pleasant. Sounds <laughs> very familiar. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely that anyone 
in Port Nianzaru would know the religious significance of this item, but due to its good construction, you might be able to fetch maybe at least 50 to 100 gold for it if you sold it to a collector. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I always take it anyway, you never know. You gather everything up into the satchel and you rejoin Bulb and Ava in the adjoining pen where they're attending to the small girl. By this point, the girl's mother has emerged from out of the panicked crowd and is thanking Bulb and Ava profusely for rescuing her daughter. The girl sniffles back tears and as her mother starts to lead her away, she looks over her shoulder at Bulb and Ava and holding out the large pole she was using to try and hold off the dinosaurs. She says, My pa was was one of the dinosaur handlers. He would want you to have this for, for saving me. Bulb Aww. reaches out and takes the pole and... Bobbit, would you like to make an arcana check to identify it? Oh, I'm sure I could do that. Meanwhile, Zinhorn's just giving Vesker a look. Uh, 24. You take the... You take the pole from Bulb and look over it, holding it in your hands, Mm. comparing it to your own staff, Mr. Stick, Mm. and in the background, in the corner of your eye, you catch Zinhorn shooting a dirty look at Vesca, who just shrugs and blushes as much as a moon elf can <laughs> blush anyway, and repeats, Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> and Bobbit, you identify this as being a quarter staff plus one. Oh, lovely. Does anyone use a quarter staff? Uh, Bulb, I, I, I think. I think as well. <laughs> so. Hmm? I do, but if uh, Bulb uses one, then he... Will we'll, wait for, we'll wait for Kitty and Remy to come back and discuss that, but in the meantime, Ava notices the satchel that Bobbit is holding and gestures to Bobbit to show it to her. Okie dokie. She looks inside, finds the two vials, and quickly examines them, and using her knowledge of herbalism... She determines that one of the vials is an unused basic poison, and the other vial contains a strange silvery blue paste, which she cannot identify. You don't have the opportunity to discuss what this could be for much longer, for a contingent of guards arrives to sweep the area for evidence. Heavy boots clod into the pen as four guards fan out to secure the area. A tanned human male taps a metal flask, wipes his mouth with a sleeve, and stumbles in past the ed- past the rest of the contingent. He looks around, quickly taking in the dead dinosaurs and the auntie's body in the grass, and then he notices Ava holding the two satchels. He immediately raises his hand and says, Aha! And walks over to Ava. He asks her to hand him the satchels and giving a look to Bobbit, she reluctantly agrees, handing them over to him. Mm. That's a good point where he took valuable shiny things out of it anyways. 
The guard puzzles over the two vials, quickly determining the poison one to not be of any use and handing it back to Ava, but then his but then lingering on the strange silvery paste. Ah, oh, what's this? he says as he looks over it. He twirls the vial between his finger and thumb, sticks his finger in the vial, retrieves some of the strange residue, takes a whiff of it, and then blinks. Aha! he says. Wonderlost! He notices the blank looks on your face and he says, The paste is Wonderlost, an exotic and highly illegal tincture used in tribal rites of passage, which allows observation of and at dangerously high exposure influence over astral space and spirits. Needless to say, it's highly illegal here in Port Nianzaru. You think maybe they were using that on the uh, dinosaurs there? Do you raise it, raise that to him, or you can make an intelligence check to see if you can put it together yourself? Well, I might do that first. That's a plus four to seventeen. Suddenly, it all makes sense. The bloodshot, lazy eyes on the Velociraptors as they sped as fast as, as fast as they could down the street, not tiring like any living animal. How the dinosaurs would abruptly drop dead days after the race. The Yuan-T have been entering undead dinosaurs into the races and using this strange chemical to control their bodies. We'll definitely pass that on to the uh, lovely guard and explain the situation from what we've noticed and tell them that the Triceratop team were the ones behind it. Uh, uh, just as I thought, says the guard. Uh, they had uh, undead dinosaurs, and they was uh, using this stuff to uh, control them. Yeah, well, uh, well, the merchant princes will be pleased to know the mystery has been solved, and I'm sure all of the customs officers will be very careful to ha keep an extra eye out for more of this wonder lost being smuggled into the city. It is unlikely that the Yuan-Ti will be able to interfere with the dinosaur races again. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. He looks around and raises his hand, making a circular hand gesture as his other guards begin to uh, begin to cordon off the dead dinosaurs and lift up the Yuan-Ti woman's corpse onto a stretcher to wheel her away for evidence. The guard notices Ava still holding the satchet, and he says, Anything else of note in there? Hmm. Mm. It was mostly just random trinkets, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Not, not really. One or two personal belongings, but nothing that's going to help your case, sir. Ava holds out the satchel, and he look the guard looks inside, and he says, Bah! dismissively waving his hand. I ain't got no interest in that. Consider that your payment from me for helping the merchant princes sort everything out. How very generous of you. As he turns away to leave, he says, Ah! Forgot something. He turns around, pad taps his padded armor up and down with his hand, and then reaches into a pocket, pulls out a small rolled-up piece of parchment. He says, uh, 
this uh, this is uh, from uh, uh, the bookie who registered you for the race. She was very impressed with your performance. I believe she had a uh, cooey. That mob knows <laughs> what's going on to say. <laughs> and specifically requested this one be passed along to the dashing out fellow. He hands part the piece of parchment over to Zinhorn. And Zinhorn, you unroll it to find a scroll of ice knife. Yep. Okay. You look up and you see the sun starting to set, the sky starting to turn red as the day is over, a day of excitement. And as the guard walks, as the guards leave, leaving you alone in the abandoned dinosaur pen, you all just look at each other and shrug, thinking silently, if this is, if this is everyday life in Cholt, then the adventures you have coming up are definitely not going to be boring. With that, you retire to the Thundering Lizard, the inn where your sailors, Robert, Jacob, and Frederick, bunkered down for the night, and book some rooms for yourselves. Obviously, it being too late to get head back to Wakunga now and fill him in on mm. what happened. But that night, as winners of the races, everyone in the tavern crowds around you, cheering your names. And for just a moment, for a single night, it feels as if you are back in Waterdeep celebrating the outcome of the Dragon Heist and that the death curse, for a brief moment, is not weighing heavily on everyone's minds. And that is where we will end this week's session. Hooray! We did it. Well done, everyone. You level up to sixth level. Yay! You can finally get a feat. You level up to sixth level, and uh, needless to say, when you meet with Wakunga next week, he will be impressed that you managed to solve his problem and earn yourself a full expenses paid expedition into the jungle. Love it. You get a long rest in addition to your level up, so you finally get to have a long rest for the first time since you set off towards Cholt Bobbit. Yeah. So I have a long rest for everyone. And a small a chance to have a brief, brief night of relaxation before you begin what proves surely to be an arduous and dangerous trek into the land of Cholt. Hooray! I thank everyone who came to join us today. Hope you enjoyed that session, because I certainly did, and I have a feeling that our players certainly enjoyed it too. The excitement of the dinosaur race. <laughs> and be sure to join us again next week when parties journey um, into Cholt begins in earnest and yes actually it, uh no, no, oh wait yeah that's uh, right sorry week, uh yes next two week weeks from now sorry yes two mm -hmm. weeks from now as next week we will not be having an episode of D&D &D, as both M2 and Remy and Kitty are going to be busy driving across state lines and you know the motto here at Dungeons and Dagons don't drive and play D&D &D. 
we've told him one enough times not to do that. So, Amen, bro. Yep. So next week we will be doing. We will not be having a D and D session, and uh, we will not be having Call of Cthulhu next week. We will only just be having our Pokemon and Resident Evil streams. Um, oh yeah, but we're gonna be going ham on that Pokemon. Yeah, we're gonna be going week. ham on Pokemon, and we're gonna be going ham on Resident Evil, and then next, and then the week after that, we will be returning for more D and D on the thirteenth of April. And the 14th of April, Call of Cthulhu will be returning with a special in-person session where everyone will be gathered at my house to celebrate my birthday and we'll all be playing around a physical real table. We'll probably be live streaming that, but if not, we will definitely be recording it and uploading it later. So definitely look forward to Call of Cthulhu returning that week with the first episode of Curse of the Pharaoh. So, with that, thank you to everyone for joining today. Thank you for everyone's support. Thank you to BCG, our current Patreon member. And until next time, remember, if you, uh, if you are ever in a dinosaur race and you're tempted to cheat and be the dinosaur yourself, just remember, cheaters never prosper. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.